This episode of the Jamer K podcast is brought to you by From Within Records. It is officially September. It's the month of payback, September 24th. It is what it is. The LP from Payback will be releasing. And I'm so excited that it's going to come out this month and it's going to be super sick. So please stay tuned for that. Also, From Within Records, number 31, new demo by a band called Beskar. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. I know it's a Star Wars reference, but I'm not super hip on Star Wars. So uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it's a new straight edge band from Florida. So please, if you haven't yet hit pause, go boot up your Spotify, Apple Music or head over to their Bandcamp and listen to the demo by Beskar. Also, if you're interested in a demo tape, head over to the From Within Records Big Cartel and cop one before it's too late. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us. On today's episode, we had to track down Carl Gunhouse. He's a photographer, uh, super credentialed in the art world. I actually read his entire resume and I was really impressed uh, because it was really long and it was really fancy. And I'm so happy that he was down to come on the podcast and just just talk hardcore with me. It was really fun. I was uh, turned out to him by my friends, Matt and Matt. They do the Jersey slide zine and they featured a lot of his photos. And from there, I just started following what Carl has been doing. He's pretty active in going to hardcore shows and even supporting his local art scene. He helped he helps run an art gallery, which is pretty interesting. You can go check out the website and see all the exhibits that are going on. But it's always awesome for me to be able to pick someone's brain that's been around and involved in hardcore longer than I have. I always find it interesting and also really awesome that someone that's older than me still has the same passion that I do and that same love. So it's always fun for me to be able to talk about the times uh, before I was around because I always find those very fascinating. Also, it was really cool to hear his thoughts on uh, the current state of hardcore and all just everything going on. So please strap in, enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, welcome Carl Gunhouse to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Carl. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I've been listening for, geez, like two months now. So I, I, I feel like you've been in my ear quite a bit of late. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, you know tuning in and listening for, for two months. That's super awesome. I was turned on to you um, back when I had on Matt and Matt from the Jersey <laughs> Slide zine. And you know, they were just uh, you know so kind with their words about you and obviously having your work in their zine and it was just really strange to me because at that point i had uh you know no idea who you were but i feel like when i had on matt and matt uh, you know and I, obviously I, I got the zine but it's just like one of those things where like i, I didn't really I, I wasn't paying attention but now that like you know i had that one interaction with them they put me onto you 
and now i just feel like i'm just seeing you everywhere like when before <laughs> like you weren't on my radar but now it's just like i, I feel like i'm just i'm um, seeing you um everywhere and obviously like I, I follow you on social media now but even then like i'm uh, just seeing you at so many you know going to so many shows and taking some awesome photos it, it's just crazy to me that before that i was just unaware but now it's just like okay cool now i'm like tuning in and now i'm playing catch up and seeing like you know what you do with your photography yeah no those guys are awesome i mean i i can't thank them enough uh I'm not entirely sure how I got hooked up with them originally, but just that they're much younger than me and putting my stuff out in the world is always kind of like, oh, I'm excited. It's very exciting that like people, who, you know, other people get to see photographs I do. But I also think it's kind of like, you know, like like opening bands or smaller bands where it's like once you're kind of or like into them, all of a sudden, like their names are popping up more on the bottom of bills or that kind of thing. And you start, you know, being more aware. But yeah, try to get out there, try to get, you know, photographs in front of people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, I had a chance to um, obviously look over your website and I was looking at your resume uh, and it was just, uh, you know, pretty crazy to me that, um, you know, someone who's like, you know, so well, like um, credentialed um, are like going to these hardcore shows. I, I'm, I'm just curious how um, you got exposed to hardcore and like when you started taking, uh, you know, photography at shows, because obviously uh, for anybody who's unaware, like, you know, you have all these degrees and, uh, you know, working in um, all these like, you know, awesome art galleries and doing, you know, a bunch of cool stuff in um, the art world. But I, I was just curious how you ended up, um, you know, getting into hardcore. Oh, yeah, the no, hardcore predates all of that stuff. All my credentials are post hardcore, if that makes sense. Like, uh, <clears throat> I got into hardcore through, um, uh, like alternative fans in the 90s. Uh, I very much like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and that kind of stuff. And that's how I got into hardcore, like not through metal, but through like indie rock, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I've been more or less photographing at shows since I was in high school. So I don't know, like 16, 17. And, you know, it's all the other stuff has kind of weirdly been an outgrowth of photographing at shows. Like, you know, like I did all my undergrad just photographing bands like hardcore stuff like that was you know saying like that that got me through four years of like a photo degree at fordham uh and then like uh you know i went to grad school for art and for history um and that you know more or less qualifies you to do what i do which is teach college kids photo um <laughs> and uh like i was part of running a gallery currently but again it was a similar kind of thing where it was you know um wanted to get work out there by people I like and, uh, you know, joined up with some friends and we put together money and now run a gallery together. You know, it's a very collective kind of DIY, like we built the walls, you know, like mm -hmm. literally the walls that, you know, we hang stuff on, we built them. Uh, and you know, we run everything. It's like, if you're emailing, you know, transmitter, which is the gallery I'm part of, you're emailing me, you know, saying it's, so it's very DIY and very much kind of out of hardcore. And it always kind of feels like a you know, weird foundation for everything else in my life. And where does that passion come from? Because I imagine back then, um, you know, taking photos, uh, you know, because these days everybody has like a you know, cell phone and these cell phones mm -hmm. um, have like, you know, amazing cameras in them, even if you don't have yeah. like the latest, uh, you know, greatest cell phones out, even some ones from a couple of years ago still have really great cameras. But back then, um, like, where did that passion come from? And how did you, um, you know, shoot uh, these shows? Did you have to, because um digital cameras were, were they a thing back then yeah. i'm trying to remember because no, that's so long ago yeah, this, this would have been like this would have been like 93 i think I, that's the first photos i shot so yeah uh -huh. pre, pre digital damn so what were you shooting with <clears throat> excuse me what were you shooting with and like, how'd you get into it yeah it was a kind of hand-me-down slr for my mother uh, my mother was kind of like an amateur photo person who had a real passion for it so weirdly i think growing up like like I, I took photo class in high school. It's just like, it was a thing that was being offered and it seemed like an easy grade kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And 
like f-stops and shutter speeds always kind of made some weird sense because i think my mother put a camera in my hand more than once so that makes sense like it kind of made kind of intuitive sense and you know photographing at shows was i mean i don't know if it's like in the early 90s i feel like especially in new york and new jersey there's a lot of like you know the scene is dead or something you know like you know there's a kind of like by the early 90s there was a lot of violence so like everyone was like oh cbs isn't doing matinees and everything is dead mm-hmm. so like when i came in there felt like a lot of pressure to like participate and to like you know help keep the thing going and keep it alive and i'm not at all musically inclined and photography seemed like a way of being able to contribute to like you know be part of things and like mm-hmm. you know somehow do my part and you know any way I could. Um, and also just, you know, it, you know, it allowed me to get to meet all the people I thought was cool, you know, in life in a weird way. That makes sense. It was like, Oh, I'm taking pictures. And all of a sudden, like people are doing fan scenes are like talking to me and I didn't know anybody. And it was very nice that random people were talking to me or like you got to meet bands because they wanted pictures. And all of a sudden you're like friends with people who you're like looking up to. And it was, you know, Oh, it's kind of very endearing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just kind of had a camera and, uh, just started taking pictures. Um, it is funny cause I, I do feel like it becomes a weird hot button issue now with there being too many photographers. And, uh, it occurs to me, like, if you look back at like nineties, like fest shows, like uh, new Bedford fest in Massachusetts was one of the bigger ones or a crazy fest in Louisville. Like there are just a wall of photographers on the side of that stage. Like, and I'm kind of curious if there really is more people now or not. I mean, I think on some level there is. But it's amazing how much I still go to shows and it's like, I don't know, me and one other person or something, which spells about the right ratio from like, say, you know, mid 90s, you know, in a weird way. Yeah, I feel it all just depends on the gig, which uh, yeah. sounds kind of weird, because obviously if, the, if it's like a uh, like a more popular show, if, if there's like a, you know, a hype band coming through, it's like, you know, everybody's going to show out. And, and and I get it, like uh, with there being like, you know, a plethora of like photographers out there. And I, I just feel like it's like. I don't ever think there could be too much because I'd rather have, um, you know, a lot than none, yeah. if that makes sense. But also I, I kind of find out that, like, you know, people uh, will just kind of gravitate towards their favorite photographers, uh, you know, for whatever reason. So I think it's fine. And obviously it does get to a point where it is kind of ridiculous where there are like a like million photographers on stage. But I'm not sure how you facilitate that. I, don't, I You know, obviously I feel like it comes down to whoever's throwing the, the fest or the show. They have to pick and choose. And that's the hard part. But I, I, like I said, I'd rather have a lot than none. No, no. And I think, you know, things ebb and flow over time, too, where, like, you have moments where, like, you know, there's lots of people coming to shit, and then there's moments where it gets a lot slower, and, you know, no one's coming to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, a little part of me is always like, oh, if you don't want so many photographers on stage, make shit crazier, you know? <laughs> it's like, start start moshing at them. You'll, you'll clear out, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I, I was... Uh, it was interesting to me, because uh, when I go to these shows, um, like, out here in Southern California, yeah. I always uh, I, I always like to see who's in the room. So when, yeah. when I see certain photographers that go to every show, I'm like, okay, that's that, that's awesome. This person has, like a, like, a real passion for it, right? They're not just yeah. trying to come out to, you know, get to get seen or just to come catch the hype band, because that's yeah. all they care about, which is fine if, if that's their thing like i don't mind but i always just uh respect the people that actually have like a true love and passion for it also like as you get older it's one of those things where you start looking back at shows and you're like oh shit i did not how did i not see that bad or it's like all the bads that like you know when i got like get more tired or jaded about things and like you know somehow aren't getting there for the openers the amount of like good stuff you end up missing is always kind of you know in the long run you're like man i can't believe i did not go see that you know so now it's like as an old person it's like i'm their first band on you know just because i'm worried of missing things 100 percent. since you are older i, I want to ask you have you ever been in the situation because I, I feel like i've ran into this before where 
there is a band who broke up, you know, from, you know, you know, uh, like a past time and then they come back and they're like super hyped up and everybody's so stoked to see them. But you were there when they were um, active and you, oh. and you remember that they weren't even that good of a band and people didn't really yeah. care. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think it's funny. Like when I was a kid, like, like in the mid nineties, like Murphy's law and like breakdown or breakdown, I guess was kind of like, they kind of broke up, but not really. And, you know, I remember being thinking they were all like blacklisted air breakdown being fantastic or mm-hmm. like, you know, Murphy's law dedicated being fantastic. And like older people being like, that's ah, fine. You know, and like, we're, and I was like, how do you not, how is this not something you love? Um, and I think as an older person, I find myself very much in that shoes where like uh, having seen quicksand come back a bunch now. And I'm like, yeah, it's good. Like, it's not bad. It doesn't sound bad, but it's, there's something like, like Walter seems happy. You know, it's, it's weird seeing quicksand with like Walter, like seeming to enjoy himself seems like a weird disconnect for me or even like lifetime a band i loved you know mm. like their reunion record it, it's good but like seeing them live was definitely a little weirder like seeing people mosh to lifetime was weird you know that was not a thing that was happening when they were an actual band if that makes sense it was much more like people wearing backpacks and like swaying back and forth aggressively if that mm-hmm. makes any sense yeah uh, yeah and I, I think like you know i think it's fascinating the bands that got traction after they broke up you know i mean i think like you know, looking at like New York hardcore from the nineties, like I think, uh, you know, Marauder was always in people liked Marauder, but I don't think Marauder was as huge as they are now or even Bulldoze. I mean, I think Bulldoze kind of weirdly had not a huge lifespan. And I think probably headlined like two shows in the city ever in a lot of ways that like, you know, awesome band. I love, love Bulldoze, but mm-hmm. you know, it's that kind of thing where they've gotten, I think much bigger after the fact than they were at the time in a weird way or everybody gets hurt, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a band that like, there are people in Japan that are psyched on everybody gets hurt. Blows my fucking mind. Like I love, you know, Chris Panetta and like those dudes are awesome, but like, it's definitely like one of those things like, wow, that's amazing. That's such a huge thing now. Um, where like, I guess like 25 to life and obviously Rick has his problems, mm-hmm. you know, was those things where like, that was a huge band, you know, and definitely an influential band that kind of gets written off or like, you know, H2O. And again, people have issues with Toby, but, you know, it's hard to deny like mid nineties, H2O were everywhere. And we're like headlining lots of shit that, you know, kind of, they now have kind of fallen off a cliff in a weird way. Yeah. It, it does suck when uh, some of these like older bands kind of, uh, I, I don't want to say like ruin their legacy because obviously it's like uh, with like the current generation, right? They're, they're they're looked at a certain way, and sometimes people do forget their their history and like what they've done and how they've gotten to to the point where they're you know so like you know popular and uh, you know have so much respect. But um, obviously, when certain things happen, I um, you know like it, it's like, well, like you know a couple events. I get it. Like you know can like can totally turn people's like you know view on a band. I, I feel like that, like when I look at the Cro-Mags, right? Oh, totally. And, and what occurs to me about them specifically is like the craziness that makes maybe John Joseph an awesome and amazing frontman in 18 mm-hmm. might make him a weirder adult. You know what I'm saying? It's like that kind of thing where it's like, you know, like I, I don't think he's any more saying things that are controversial than maybe he was at 18. It's just a different platform and it's kind of, you know specifically stuff i don't agree with but you know mm-hmm. yeah i i think it does occur to me that like you know crazy doesn't always age well i do 100 yeah so, so yeah and sometimes i feel like man like so it might be better off for some of these bands just to get out while they can uh but you know it's, it's a fine line because right there's i always say there's really no blueprint to this because a band can you know break up 
uh, and come back and have no success or they can come back and, uh, you know, have a crazy ton of success and, you know, maybe continue to pick up where they left off. Uh, but it's, it's just really interesting where uh, bands. But, but not only that, like in New York, for instance, right now, okay. there's like, I guess, A7 just stopped doing things. But, uh, you know, Drew Stone's been booking stuff at A7 and it's predominantly a, a combination of kind of legacy bands. Like, you know, if you want to see Citizens Arrest do a show or you want to see like, a Drew Stone version of Antidote do a show, you know, he's booking that and it's combined with like very young bands of like 18 year olds, you know, some weird combination of very old bands and very young bands, but it's almost like you go to the shows and it's, it, it's a lot of older people. Like it's, it's people who are like, I still am young in the crowd. Like as a 45 year old, I show up at that show and I'm like, Oh, I still skew young, you know, yeah. in this audience. So I think there's still people who are psyched on that. You know, like if you're, you know, in your mid forties and you know, you want to see legacy bands, I think it's nice, I guess that there's a place for that. You know, and I think on some level, it seems to be able to exist with, say, like stuff that like core clientele is doing at Gold Sounds, which seems like a slightly different group. Like there's overlap, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like that's a little bit more bands who have yet to break up yet, for instance, or bands made up of people who are, you know, still, you know, not in their 40s. Um, but, you know, I guess it's nice that there's a world for older people who want to just listen to stuff that, you know, was their thing when they were 18 to exist. When you're going to these shows with these legacy bands and with these like newer bands, do you feel like there's a disconnect from like that older audience with the, these newer bands that are playing? Like, are they trying to like pay attention, or are they really just showing up for the le- legacy bands? In your opinion? Oh yeah, I, I think it's a it's a mix. But yeah, I mean, I think most of the people I know who are my age, uh, you know, tend to, you know. You know, they go to hardcore shows occasionally, you know, that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, every once in a while, I'll get an email being like, oh, shit, so-and-so's playing. You want to go? I'm like, yeah, sure. That's cool. You know, I don't mind. But yeah, they're not listening to a lot of new stuff. And, you mm-hmm. know, they have, you know, the, yes, they're not up on contemporary stuff. And I think it's a shame. But also, you know, I get it. You know, it's that kind of thing where, like, you, life happens. You have kids, family, job. And, like, you know, the amount of time you have to, like, finding out about stuff kind of dwindles on some level. Or even your, you know, energy or desire to do that kind of dwindles. Yeah, that blows my mind. I, I went to the Turnstile show that came through yeah. here a couple nights ago in Garden Grove, and I was with one of my uh, longtime friends, and one of his like high school friends like was at the gig, right, and came over and was just like, "Yeah, like I'm here for Turnstile. Um, I don't really listen to hardcore music anymore. Um, I don't even know where to find new music." And he's just going on about how like um, like uh, Turnstile's like the only like more recent band that he's gotten into. And he just doesn't even know what happened to hardcore over yeah. like, you know, X amount of years, whatever. Um, and, I, and I was like, you know, staying silent because I, I didn't know the guy did, didn't want to be rude. But I was just like, like just kind of dumbfounded. Cause I'm like, I was just kind of like screaming in my head. Cause I'm like, what do you mean you don't know where, where to find music? It's so easy, right? Yeah. And if you were ever at one point, like a part of the scene, you have like, you know, like a couple of friends, right? And you just to, ask somebody i don't think it's that hard so it, it was just blowing my mind that somebody could just like you know uh you know be into hardcore and then just somehow get so disconnected it, it's, it's just strange to me i i mean i i've i think i've been that person kind of i don't think like i've definitely never not been going to shows or listening to hardcore but definitely like the amount i go to is waned over like here and there like you know like i have two grad degrees so like most of my graduate time in grad school i wasn't going a whole lot and then like when i was going to stuff it was like bands I knew or like bands I knew's ex-members new bands. So it was a lot of like, I wasn't a weird track of like seeing a lot of legacy bands or like ex-member bands kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely, you know, like got to a point where I'm all like, I, I think there was like some weird show where I was like, 
seeing sick of it all. And it occurred to me that the person who was going off the most was like Tim Shaw from Ensign and he's older than I am, you know? And it was like, Oh, this is weird. Like sick of it all is great. They sound really good, but it's kind of a weird show because like the crowd seems gassed after three songs. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think for, it took me a little while to get back in the flow of like being on top of newer things. You know, and I, I think, it takes a little bit of effort. I mean, it's it's weird to me now because like I'm listening to like, I don't know, four podcasts about hardcore and going to shows like more or less once a week at this point. So it's like, you know, it's weird for me to be outside that bubble, but I know there was a time where I was definitely like struggling more or every time I'd run into like a younger hardcore person, be like, dude, what are you listening to? You know, and then like <laughs> writing stuff down and trying to follow up on it. Or even I think the thing with hardcore, at least for me is like, I, I think it's a live medium on some level, you know, like mm -hmm. I think you know, there's lots of bands. I heard the record and was like, oh, okay. And then saw them live once or twice and was like, oh, this is fantastic. And all of a sudden that record sounded a hell of a lot better to me, you know? And I think like if you're physically not going to shows, I can also see where it gets like, you can fall out pretty easily or not be impressed by things in a weird way. You know, if you're not like kind of engaging more actively. Yeah, uh, I totally get that. And um, you you mentioned uh, being impressed by bands. It, it always blows my mind when people will just kind of stick to. Well, and I was just having this conversation with um, yeah. like a really close friend of mine. Uh, he was uh, going on about how he thinks uh, Foundations like one of the best hardcore bands ever. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. Like respect to um, you know Atlanta hardcore, respect to Foundation, great band for their time. But I'm just like, that was just like a little period in hardcore, right? And since then, I'm like, there's been so many good bands and arguably better bands than foundation that he just has no idea about and i'm trying to put him on to bands right i'm just oh, like yeah. i'm just like dude you should check out this band you might like their sound because i know you like foundation right and he's just so just um he's not even caring <laughs> and it just blows my mind i'm like well i'm like how can you do this to yourself this is so strange and i get that you love this band that that's no problem but I just want to show you that there's more out there since that band had you know decided to hang it up and it's just like i i just don't get it sometimes and, and it only pisses me off because he's like a close friend of mine and i'm just like dude i'm trying to put you onto these bands like check it out and and granted like like um, he's not gonna like everything that i like but i'm just like just check out some of the stuff that, that i'm trying to put you onto because 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 even that night he, he'd never heard of never ending game and i tried to get him to listen to them like a couple days before the show I'm like dude just check this out there's a reason they're on the show like they're not a bad band like they're really good and then we're at the show and he's like tugging on me like dude this band's fucking sick and i'm just like i've tried to tell you a couple days ago like you should listen to me sometimes so it, it's it's just uh, interesting to me that sometimes people can just kind of latch on to their favorite bands and I, I, I and honestly feel like they're maybe like afraid to to branch out I, or maybe not i don't know it, it's always just confusing to me when it's just like there's so many things ready ready uh, readily available and things are moving so fast it's just like dude like you're gonna you're gonna feel overwhelmed trying to catch up or even just to pay attention but i'm trying to you know help you out here i'm trying to be like your lifeline yeah but, I, I get it i mean i, I i'm with you I, I think i also went to our turnstile at uh elsewhere in brooklyn and uh, they were utterly fantastic and, and it occurs to me in that room like if you were just relying on people who are into hardcore now I'm not sure you're selling out elsewhere and then selling out Irving Plaza, which is just across the river in New York City, mm -hmm. two nights in a row like that. Like you're inherently, you know, like those people who are like, you know, passerbys or kind of into hardcore or once into hardcore or like, you know, maybe just sort of turns on the cover of something, you know, like, oh, you know, that does make those bigger rooms sell that, you know, like that does put on for them in a way that's that's productive and hopeful, helpful for turnstile in that sense. I was blown away because I, I I love Turnstile, right? I, I I talk about how I was there at their first uh, first Southern California hardcore show. They're the reason why I went to Coachella a, a couple of years ago, 
and then seeing them a couple nights ago I, I was just so amazed at like you know how far they've come along obviously like yeah. I, I feel like they've, they've been great their whole career which is really rare for a band from the demo to now but just to kind of stand in that amphitheater and kind of just look around and seeing like just like all the different types of people i'll, I'll never forget I, I saw this couple and they were like you know decked out in like stick to your guns merch which is um to me i'm like okay i, I feel like when i look at uh stick to your guns they're like in like a different section of hardcore if that makes sense right like um i, I and i'm not trying to talk about about stick to your guns uh you know they have some you know good tracks but i i, I just saw this couple and they, they just kind of stuck out to me right i'm like okay maybe they're, they're not used to like this side of hardcore and then like just seeing them just so stoked and the kid like w left took off his stig shirt and was like wearing like you know the new turnstile long sleeve that he bought and i'm just like man like the kind of impression that this band can have on not even just hardcore right i feel like they're they've bursted out of the hardcore bubble obviously with like some of the bigger festivals that they've done i'm just like this is just a really special moment in time for hardcore because I don't know what other band can do what they're doing right now and like no dis disrespect to any of the bands Cause, like when i look at like the top three bands in hardcore it has to be turnstile code orange and knock loose yeah. right yeah yeah i would and, agree yeah i think that's those are your, your big heavy hitters and i guess i don't know where incendiary falls i don't know if there's like an east coast bias from my end and they're mm -hmm. bigger than that but i don't you know i think I, I think they're like top five, but I think their lack of um, activity and I get it right. They're all busy. I'm um, doing other stuff, um, you know, families and you know jobs and stuff. Uh, so and, the, and they're part time by choice, right? Like, I, I feel like if they were full time, they could be way bigger than they are now. But 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 I get why. So I'm no. no I, I would think of those as the top three myself as well. I think okay. I'd like you know be like who are the three big bands? I would think that. Yeah, would be. and I it's it's hard to to argue that right. And, and I get people um, might not um, you know look at Knock Loose because like right they have all this like negative uh, attention because of the, the type of crowd that they bring. But it's like no, you can't uh, you know discredit them for what they've done. And you know they are like one of the top three hardcore bands. So I like it or not, but uh, it, it's just like crazy and like to be in this moment to see a band like turnstile doing what they're doing and to see just like how many people just were showing them love and just the kind of impact and i, I went to like the the, the pop-up that they did in um, la with uh, babylon and even that just you know line wrapped around the block and just so yeah, many kids I went to the new york pop-up as well and same thing yeah just yeah just to show up to you know to just celebrate the band you know get some exclusive merch and dude it, it was just crazy it was just, and it's really cool to see a band and it just seems cool to like to see hardcore just championing a, a band like that and just trying to push them as far as we can because like we want to see them succeed right even more than they already are yeah and i couldn't agree more and i think like again my social media timeline does have a lot of old people on it who may or may not be going to shows all that much and the amount of those people who are like you know turns out awesome or like stuff like you know i was really skeptical but this amazing this new record's amazing and i'm like kind of weirdly heartened by like the, their ability to touch like you know older more curmudgeony people too and like you know how exciting and i think to their credit i feel like they're doing everything right in some weird way where like despite being really huge they're still putting on like free shows in baltimore like mm -hmm. i went to the one right before COVID, or i guess a lot two summers ago you know and then they had the one just recently or that like, you know, the, the openers, you know, that the, they had a cool opening that elsewhere show, you know, and it's like that they're putting on for relatively younger new bands too and getting a Kulu like on a venue that big was like, just for me, I was like, I was just fucking happy for a Kulu that show, you know, I was like, look, well, mm -hmm. it's from a Kulu on this giant stage, you know, it was kind of, it was really for me heartening and kind of exciting. And, and, and what it turns out like their ability to control a big room was pretty fantastic. I mean, I think a Kulu were fantastic and they got a really good response, but it was still a little part of me was like, Oh, I, you know, some level of hardcore doesn't quite translate to this bigger room. You know, like I was just imagining the Kulu set at Gold Sounds, which is a much smaller venue, being mm -hmm. like, oh, this would be mind blowing. 
And then Turnstile came on and it was like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, they, they took that giant ass room and made it feel like you're in a very small venue, you know, where like people were jumping off of everything. And like, it was just a giant wall of people singing along. It was really, really impressive. Yeah, I was impressed with the amount of people that knew all of the new songs, right? Because sometimes, yeah, no, me too. Because yeah, right, because totally. like the album came out like a day before yeah. they played Garden Grove, and uh, granted that they dropped those singles, um, and but just the fact that people paid attention, knew yeah. the words, and when they played them live, like it had such a great reaction. That doesn't happen that often, right? Like a band could oh, drop I a think, new single. I think they got like in Brooklyn. I think like the newer songs got almost a better response than almost anything else. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's, it's crazy because they just, uh, it's like they've they've done so much like you know awesome music and you're just like okay like like how long can this crazy like roller coaster keep going because it's just kind of you don't see this that often like you know bands will uh, yeah. only put out maybe like a couple like a demo ep lp and might call it quits and that's even if they get to the lp they might do like a second lp but for a band to uh like turns out to to have done what they've done it, it's just awesome and i i always just stress on people like yo like like cool like if you just got into them with this record that's fine but just pay attention because this band is just like on this like you know crazy course and like you should pay attention because I, I just feel like they're gonna be like one of the biggest bands yeah and their progression has been great i mean like they've changed you know and they've been able to change in a way that like doesn't feel forced or like you know kind of incongruent it's not like you know you, if you just go like listen in backwards you kind of see where like this new record comes from in a weird way that doesn't seem like all of a sudden they're doing like a folk acoustic record or something um yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm I'm endlessly impressed by. Yeah, same here. It's it's it's, it's special, and I just because I know there are some naysayers, right? There's like you know controversy, like is uh, turns out a hardcore band or not, which I think is just so stupid. And I get people have like their own opinions, and I yeah. and I understand that not everybody's gonna like them, but I'm just I, I just feel sorry for those people at, at, at this point because it's just like there's there hasn't been a band that is like you know it had like so much support from the entire scene right because we're so split all the time right people uh you know uh for whatever reason i'm like we all normally don't agree on a band which is totally fine but when a band like turns all comes through and there's just like the majority of hardcore is like yeah like this band's fucking good and everybody wants to go out and see them like like i, I just like it, it's just crazy to me that people could try to or, or that people would want to tear down what they're doing because it's all positive. It, it, it's good for everybody. Like, I, I, yeah, don't totally. see, I, I don't see any negative sides from what Turnstile is doing for hardcore. Yeah, again, and it's that kind of thing where it's, it's yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was trying to think of the downsides. I mean, I guess clearly they're playing bigger venues and they're not, you know, I guess playing Baltimore every other, you know, month or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess if you were, you know, like that level of a fan from Baltimore, I guess you could seem a little like curmudgeon about it. But again, I mean, outside of that, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see any downside to any of this. And I think even bands that get this big, you know, if they stay around long enough, are going to end up playing smaller venues again. You know, it's that kind of thing where, like, on some level, there'll be there's an evident flow to most of this that you know, next thing you know, they'll you know, five years from now, back to playing something more small scale. But I don't know. I, I, for me, I, I'm, I'm nothing but happy about it. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, I, I feel like it's fun and special for like uh, like you know us as fans to be able to experience it and yeah like they're like you know their trajectory uh, obviously they're all playing these bigger shows these bigger fests and yeah there, there will be a point when they do you know come back around and want to play smaller venues and you know kind of bring it back and like I, i've seen it with like all my favorite, favorite bands like i saw I don't know, maybe it was like 2014 2015 i can't remember uh, newfound glory played chain reaction which i thought i would never see yeah. again right because they, they they got so big 
But then um, they just were like, hey, we're going to re record a live album. We want to do it at Train Reaction in Anaheim, California. And I was like, sweet. I live down the street. I'm going to go to that because I was uh, late to the New Fan Glory train. So to be able to see something like that, I was like, yeah, like it, it was awesome. So I and that was because I, I you know, stayed a fan. I, I, I stuck yeah. with him from like when I started uh, you know, to when they were at some point making it back to change. But now they're still doing big tours, um, you know, playing big venues, traveling across the world. They're still doing crazy stuff. So it, it um, you know, it should happen at some point for, for Turnstile to kind of get back to playing the smaller venues. And I'm sure they'll do it by choice, you know? Yeah, and I guess whether they're hardcore or not, I guess it's weird. I mean, it's I, I still have iTunes, and it's like almost everything in my iTunes is like hardcore. You know, like it's it's, it's like labeled hardcore. Like mm -hmm. like for instance, Anxious is in there under hardcore. You know, and it's you know my my umbrella is pretty wide. Uh, but yeah, I guess if people want to, you know, they don't sound like Minor Threat. I guess I, you know, I guess if that's your bar somehow, you know, yeah, I, I more don't power know. to you. But I, I I just feel like when that debate is just like yeah, people just want to discredit like what they're doing, and it's just like dude. But I, I don't know. It, it just pisses me off. When, when I know it shouldn't, because I don't expect everybody to to think the way that I do or uh, agree with everything that I say. But it's just like, how can you even try to argue that Turnstile is not a hardcore band? Well, not only that, and I think you know the hardcore is so broad now in a very enjoyable way. You know that I, I think it encompasses a bunch of stuff. And I think not only that, it's like you know, like I, I love Floor Punch possibly mm -hmm. my favorite band ever um but like you know that was definitely an era of like hardcore where pre that there was a lot of post hardcore or there was a lot of like more metal-y stuff and there was a response to that which was like you know kind of a youth crew revival but it's that kind of weird thing where it's like as the medium gets like broader and more kind of expansive you have kind of weird reactionary stuff which also ends up being awesome you know in a weird way and then like in the big picture you end up in the long run getting both floor punch and quicksand you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you know that kind of thing where like it, it makes the, the medium more diverse and more interesting just by people getting kind of angry on some level um but yeah i mean i i think turnstile's doing fine with people being angry or not angry you know it's like, like they seem like they're doing good you know yeah i'm i'm just happy to see them doing well and i'm uh, curious to see where they go from here because i know there's a lot of stuff planned but i'm, I'm just curious to see what happens with that band and um I'm, I'm gonna be a fan you know till they decide to hang it up or till i you know die or whatever because <laughs> they're, they're just too good I, I i honestly i feel like their music will hold up over time because like you know sometimes yeah, totally. you, you listen to bands and you're like oh like why did i like that so many years ago it, it, yeah. it's not that good today mm -hmm. but i feel like they're one of those bands where like their discography will hold up over time no I, absolutely and i think a lot of that is the progression and that ability to change i mean i think it's that kind of thing where like i love sick of all but i don't think i've really cared about a record since built the last maybe you know like i think mm -hmm. it's like they're just like very good and consistently very good in a way but it's like the same kind of consistent if that makes sense in a way that i'm kind of you know like it's fun live you know but again i'm not going out of my way to to you know buy the new record kind of thing and is, is there a way for a, a band like that for you to kind of recapture you to to want to buy a new record like are they going to have to like you know change up their sound or because yeah because i get it there are bands that i listen to where i'm like okay like you've put out this like like essentially the same record like you know three times over which is fine right it, like it's not bad but it's at the point where i'm like it all kind of sounds the same and i'm just kind of like all right this is this is cool for what it is but there are other bands doing better hardcore at this same moment so i'm gonna you know check out your new record and it's cool i i know what it is but i'm going and kind of putting more of my time to um you know newer stuff people that are trying you know different things and that have i i, I don't want to say more creativity but maybe more creativity yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, I think that's the thing about making art on some level, right? It's like, you know, how do you do it that you don't get stuck in some weird rut? 
you know, like, or even how do you do it that it's challenging to yourself? And I think hopefully if it's challenging yourself, it's challenging other people on some level. But yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, I'm, I, I don't put it past Sick of It All to put out like even a more perfect Sick of It All record somehow at some point and be being like, oh, fuck, this is the even better than anything I've heard before. You know, I don't, I don't doubt their ability to do that. But yeah, at this point, I'm like, that's fine. But also it's like, you know, if you're Sick of It All, like, if they enjoy what they're doing, I guess on some level they have the right to keep on doing what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like if they're, if it's paying their bills and they're having a good time and clearly there are people who are excited to go see them, you know, you know, more power to them in that sense. But yeah, for me, it's more like, you know, I, I think like, you know, you put a bunch of young people on opening for them. I'm definitely staying around for sick of it all, you know what I'm saying? Or like sick of it all playing like some small venue thing near me. I'd probably go out of my way to go see it. But, you know, generally speaking, I'm not, you know, going to see them play a large venue, particularly myself. Yeah. And sometimes and like I, I get why some of those like bands will play those like, you know, bigger venues or those bigger fests, but I, I honestly feel like sometimes it doesn't always translate. And like, you know, thankfully like I, I've seen a lot of those bands that do that. So it's just like I'm not like inclined to stay most of the time just because it's just it, it just doesn't seem right or it, it doesn't feel right. Like I like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what they're doing, but like when I'm there, I'm like, okay, this doesn't really feel like a hardcore show, so I'm gonna just yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I think hardcore can be weird if you have a large stage with a big barricade. I mean, again, that turns out a wonderful example of being able to kill it in those contexts. But yeah, I think that that kind of experience gets weird for you know being at a show. Um, so yeah, I, I generally don't go to larger things, but also it's weird. It's like, I've been shooting for so long and so much. I don't honestly know what to do with myself. If I'm not photographing in a weird way, I get very, I, it's like, I get very uncomfortable. It's like, I don't know what to do with my hands or something. So generally if it's something I can't photograph, I'm not, I don't normally go. I'm trying mm -hmm. to think of stuff. I, I guess I'm like my wife likes stuff, but she's a little more on the indie rock end of stuff. And I've definitely gotten to stuff that she liked. And I was just there because that's something she wanted to check out and, mm -hmm. you know, more than happy to go. But yeah, the amount of hardcore shows I've gone to where I can't photograph are pretty minuscule at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I get it because like I've gone to different like you know, I've been to like pop punk shows or like rap yeah. shows and it's just like different energy you know people yeah. still do the music and you know participating whatever but it's just like a little different it's just like I, I'm just standing here where I'd much <laughs> rather be like jumping off stage or like you know spin <laughs> kicking somebody or something you know <laughs> so it does get a little strange well again I think that's like those reunions if you get back to like you know lifetime getting that together it's, I think the first time I started back was a Trocadero which is was a pretty large venue in Philadelphia and it was like yeah I mean their last show was a tiny you know above a bar kind of venue you know and seeing them at this giant huge venue was like it was weird it made no sense to me it was like a kind of odd you know like they sounded great but you're in this kind this is weird being this giant venue with people push boshing you know like if, you know for a band that almost their entirety was like more of a basement band if that makes sense like a VFW hall band mm -hmm. seeing them on that scale was very weird and for you, uh, for someone who's been around for so long, like, like, where does that passion come from? Because like I mentioned earlier, like, I, I've known so many people who have just, you know, bowed out or, uh, you know, dropped out, like, what, whatever you want to call it, which is fine. Like, I'm not going to be upset at them. It's their life. You know, make your own choice. But I'm, I'm just curious for somebody like you who's been around for so long, like, wh where does that passion come from for you to still want to continue to do this? There was like a um, a heart attack uh, fanzine. They put out a comp at some point called "Some Ideas Are Poisonous." And I don't, I don't know what they exactly meant by it, but I think what it always took me to mean is like, I'd, like you know, I'm still straight edge. I'm, I'm still vegetarian. I'm still going to shows, but like, and I love it. And I think you know, I, I think the next Jersey slide I wrote an essay for them about this in some weird way, um, like uh, over COVID. Uh, my wife got diagnosed with cancer and is totally fine now. Um, but like, it was rough, you know, and it was like, 
I listened to that Mind Force EP on repeat, like religiously. And it took me like, you know, a good month into listening to the last Mind Force EP, like to be like, oh shit, this is why I'm listening to this is because I'm really angry and upset, you know? And, and it was just kind of very effective tool of channeling that and getting it out of me in some weird way. And, and you know, I think like that new fiddlehead, like, you know, that came out kind of at least in New York where they're really loosening up restrictions. And I, I think the first time I listened to it, I was just like walking home and like, I started like getting teary eyed and I don't think I've ever can cite anything that, you know, made me emotional that way, like listening to music. And it, it just occurred to me that like, there's something about the record where it's like kind of about loss, but also very upbeat, you know, and it felt, oh yeah, this is like everything I've been feeling, you know, and it kind of like, it was almost like I'd been suppressing a lot of emotion for a year and a half that like, you know, that record kind of weirdly bubbled to the top and like, you know, came out and it was one of those things like, oh yeah, no, this is, why I listen to hardcore, you know, like that kind of emotional release and that kind of connection, you know, at least for me has kind of been there since I was 16, you know, it's like kind of the same thing that like as a very angsty, you know, nerdy, not having a lot of friends, high school student found hardcore so appealing, you know, I, I'm not that person anymore, you know, like I have different shit, but it's still hardcore for me still taps into that, you know what I'm saying? It's still mm -hmm. like that emotional connection that is really powerful in a way that I guess I haven't found in other music. Like I listen to other things and I think for whatever reason it hasn't connect, it doesn't connect to me like that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You know, I, and I just, I enjoy it. I have yet to find anything else that I enjoyed more. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've, 10 years, I think more or less, right? Like I'm 45, you're like 32, early 30s? 32. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah 32. Um, so for, for me, someone who's been around for, you know, for a bit as well, um, I just, I, I, I don't know anything else, right? Like yeah, for, no, me too. when I got into hardcore, I was like a freshman in high school with yeah. no friends trying to figure out like where I'm going to fit in. And it, it always just seemed right. Like, it, like all the hardcore um, people that I met after I started listening to the music, because I, I started on MySpace, right? My, my sister yeah. showed me the music. I didn't have any friends who knew what hardcore was. So just uh, listening to the music and then finding kids locally and everybody just being so accepting, even though we were different but we all had this one you know music uh, genre in common and it just brought us to a lot of different places and you know brought us a bunch of different experiences and new friends from places that we never even heard of and it just has always just been a part of my life you know from like being, being a freshman until now and it just has always been important and just something that i always uh never really been like satisfied with what which is like interesting because I, I always have like this hunger right to to, to to find like you know who like who or what is like the best hardcore band or like what's mm -hmm. the newest thing coming out and i i'm just feel like I've, I've just been on this long journey and i don't know when it's gonna end if it'll ever end but i still like seriously to this day like I, i'm out here trying to to find like the latest and greatest and obviously like i, I appreciate so many bands that, that are, are doing it because I, I i love the music but when i find out about like a there's like this new uh, Los, An Los Angeles strange band called Firestarter, right? They're, uh, they're I'm writing this down. Firestarter. Firestarter. They are on Bandcamp, and like I, I, I saw them uh, a couple weeks ago in this like new venue, and the sound wasn't the greatest. And I was just kind of, you know, I, I was uh, there early, paying attention, and I was like, right, I was like, I think this band has potential, but maybe they're suffering from the you know the bad sound in the venue so i'm like all right let me go home and uh try to do some research and you know granted i went home listened to the to, to the band camp and i was like all right this band's way better on recording than what i heard that night so like literally this upcoming week like i'm going to see them on like thursday and 
I think Sunday. So I'm, I'm going to like, like two, like, you know, very like, you know, local shows just to see this new band. And, 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 and to me, I, I, it's, it's crazy that I still do this because everybody that I used to do it with, right? Like my other friends. And, and even to this day, like my friends who, who like hardcore, I'm just like, I, I know if I ask, like, hey, like you guys go into the, the Firestarter show in Santa Ana on Thursday, people are going to kind of scoff at me because they, they don't really have like the notoriety that, you know, like that they would need for like my friends to want to go. And I'm just like, come on, dude, like, like, like this band, like um, who knows, they might break up next week or tomorrow, whatever. But if these guys decide to continue, I feel like they have the potential to be a good band. Um, it, but it's their choice. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm just trying to tell my friends, I'm like, yo, like, let's go see them. And and, and trust me, this situation has played out so many times, right? Where I'll try to convince my friends to see this band. They've called me a weirdo for wanting to show up early to see this band open. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, a couple months down the road when the band gets signed, more traction, they're trying to tell me about that band. And I'm just like, dude, fuck off. Like, like I, I'm not trying to be like that guy, but I'm just like, don't, don't try to tell me about this band that I was begging you to come see when they weren't cool. But now that it's like cool to see this band, like it's okay for you. I don't know. It's it just, it's always just, um, just kind of oh, frustrating it, it, sometimes. It's funny because I feel like that's kind of how I was at 16 and I kind of am that way now. Like I think hardcore has that, like you're kind of an apostle for it. Like, you know, like when I was 16, it was like being in high school, being like trying to convince red to people who are like, listen to anything metally or hard being like, Oh, you like Metallica? Here's a here's a mixtape of hardcore, you know. And like, mm-hmm. I still weirdly am that now to like my older friends who are like, oh, I'm into a very specific kind of like you know Norwegian death metal. I'm like, oh, you are? Have you have you listened to Gate Creeper? You know, like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel this like hardcore thing, and I feel like I'm still kind of a weird advocate for it. And I think on some level that kind of doesn't change. You know, that you're always going to kind of you know it's, again, it's a pretty small you know genre of music that most people you know in your life probably will not have that much interest in nonetheless you know humping two hours to go see a band that has a demo out <laughs> yeah yeah and then i, I look I, back with you and i'd also like to point out my other issue is like I, I it becomes a weird compulsion where like over covid with there not being shows i was like oh my bank account has never been better and mm. i was like and now that stuff's coming back it's like I've like I've gone a lot of stuff and have tickets for a lot of stuff coming over, but it's still that trying to remind myself like, oh yeah, I don't necessarily have to go to everything. You know, like if if I if I have if I'm not doing something that like, I don't necessarily have to drive three hours to go to a show, I can, you know, not spend money on everything. Yeah. No, I got it's hard. It's hard. There's a little part of me is the same thing. I'm like, oh shit, I do wanna see that band play Wilkesbury, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like I'd like double book some shit. Like you mentioned Fiddlehead earlier and it it, it bums me out so much that i'm missing fiddlehead when they come through here mm-hmm. uh, because i booked a flight to pensacola florida so like the yeah. the uh the, the day that i'm flying or the weekend that i'm flying yeah. fiddlehead's coming through and it's just like shit uh so i obviously chose to you know pick my flight over the fiddlehead show like I, i've seen a fiddlehead before um, and i know that they're like kind of like a rare band to see because they don't yeah. do that much and especially with the the, the new record that's out um it, it really bums me out that i'm gonna have to miss that show but i'm hoping that they come back sooner than they did the last and time the way Pat Flynn talks about it it does make it sound like this might not be long for the world somehow like i feel like the last time i heard about a podcast he kept kind of talking about like hardcore as if like he doesn't know how many more years he has in him i mean granted the man seems to put out like five records in the last two years so mm-hmm. who knows but you know like seems like he has like five projects going at all times but yeah a little part of each he was like oh i want to see fiddlehead before they stop being fiddlehead you know or see more fiddlehead before they stop being fiddlehead yeah they were like one of like the top because like, like we have a venue here called program it's, it's like a yeah. local skate oh, shop yeah, the skate shop yeah and 
they're like one of the few bands that have played program that had made that place feel bigger than it actually is right it's like a really small space but like they just changed the the, the lighting right they, they turned off the the lights in the store but then they had like their own like floodlights and I, it just changed the whole vibe and just made it feel like 10 times cooler and and on, on top of them playing you know great live but just just like the vibe that they created i was like this is crazy that nobody else has really been able to make it feel like that in there so it, it, it just that's why it bums me because i'm like okay for them to be able to play a chain reaction uh i, I know it's going to be crazy so it's just a bummer that i have to miss that but i also think like you know with going to everything too you get in this like like you know like i have i have, we have a shared calendar with me and my wife and it's like if i just went to shows i wanted to go to i probably wouldn't see my wife that much like she'll go to stuff but generally mm -hmm. speaking you know isn't always excited to drive like two hours to see some random band play you know like that's totally reasonable of her or you know like we wouldn't be able to you know i don't know go see your family in pennsylvania or that kind of thing you know so it's that kind of thing where it's like that weird balance between like stuff i want to do and not being a terrible human being you know <laughs> you know saying so, like my the rest of the, the rest of my life that doesn't involve hardcore you know and how you kind of balance that yeah yeah you always got to find a balance because even like like some of my closest friends don't even listen to hardcore and they get that like it's a big part of my life so like whenever i have like you know like obviously uh this podcast uh majority of the guests are like you know hardcore related so uh, we always get lumped in as like a hardcore podcast which is fine like i don't really mind describe it however you, you, you want you talk a lot of marvel i i've, I've listened to two very long interviews with uh dad from warren oh wow wow stuff. awesome uh okay well i guess i should plug this now uh <laughs> shang chi comes out this weekend uh tyler short of inclination fame constraint um uh ldb records uh he, he's gonna come back on and we're gonna break down shang chi and all things marvel and dc nice. I'm, I'm a very i'm a very superficial <laughs> marvel fan in that i i read comic books up till i was in college but have not read since like the early 2000s okay and uh, i enjoy the movies and i've watched all the netflix shows but yeah my even listen to you, you guys talk about it i'm like oh that's what that was you know like i feel mm -hmm. like there's like show where i'm like it's going over my head yeah you know? for sure no and i I appreciate you tuning into those episodes because th th those episodes are always fun for me because uh, as much as I love talking about hardcore, like we all have other interests, obviously. So the fact that um, some of my friends who I met through hardcore, we share these interests like deeply. So to just be able to talk to them about Wait, that kind of stuff. Have you had Jared from Regulate on? I have not. Oh, because he is also a K-pop person, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it's a big fan of his, like wow. a big like thing of his. So I gotta say, it it As, seems like there's a whole K-pop episode for you there in Jared's from Regulate. Okay, well, I'm gonna have to reach out. I I, I appreciate you um, putting me on to that. Yeah, because the only person I've had on from Regulate is a uh, Harry. Shout out to I'm Harry, but I I, I could go on for uh, on K-pop forever. Like I, <laughs> I I you know these up here. Hold on, let, let me just my camera. Yeah. Um, like I have like all these like crazy like K-pop albums. Yeah. Like these are all just like K-pop stuff, right? Everything up here. Yeah. Um, and that's not even all of it. I, I have like more, like just floating around. Um, but okay, but, that, but that's cool. No, I I would love to do something like that just to to talk about it because that was like the weird hobby that I picked up, and it's not even weird anymore. It's like you know, uh, something that I do every day now. But it's it's like the hobby that I picked up during the quarantine just by chance. I had like just moved into like a new spot, and I don't even know how it came about. But I was just like, uh, like I knew about it, right? There's like some bands that like everybody knows, like you know like bts one of the biggest bands in the world mm -hmm. uh you know blackpink twice those are probably like the top three biggest k-pop yeah I, I know the baby metal i think that's the thing i'm most familiar with <laughs> that, is out of it uh, i think that's j-rock 
Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. No, no, no. Again, this this is my knowledge. This is <laughs> no, no, the no. of it. No, it's all good. I mean, it's it's all intertwined. Like when you really like dive into it, right? Because like even though it's called a like, K-pop, there's like uh, you know Japanese members that um, are part of it. Uh, you know Chinese members. So it, it's it's called and, and even like there's like um, you know Canadian and American, Australian. Yeah, there's members. There's people from all over the world that are involved in K-pop. Um, you know, even though it's, it's like Korean pop, it's like yeah, it's literally like oh, just pop music. If you really break it down and look at who's involved, um, but. It's just yeah, it's the thing that I got into, and it, it just hasn't stopped. I, and it was weird to get into like a new genre of music that heavy, like it's mm-hmm. this late in my life. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's it's been fun just playing catch up because K-pop, um, realistically, hasn't been around that long. I think we're in like the like about to get into like the fifth generation of K-pop. Yeah. So it's like cool. Like I don't yeah, have I, that. Has it eaten into any of your hardcore listening? Like has like have you listened a little less hardcore now because just there's so much K-pop? Is that uh, so? The, the way that I had to divide it up is I had to cut down on podcast, right? So this is the weird thing, right? Because it used to just be podcast <laughs> or like you know hardcore music and like <laughs> like you know hardcore and like a little like you know other genres. Like like my like pop punk has gone way down because I don't think there's that many good pop punk fans these days. And if there are, let me know. Um, and then just other uh, like, well, Koyo and no pressure. I think that's yeah. Matter. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, the, the, I feel like they get lumped into the, like the the hardcore umbrella, but um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so I just had to cut down on podcasting because uh, and um, but it kind of worked out because uh, like a lot of the podcasts that I listen to either have just been like lacking quality or had just have stopped yeah. completely. So I'm like, all right, cool, like less time, di- like, you know, I'm divided or um, uh, into that. And just now I have more free time for, for the K-pop. And after listening to it for like, uh, just like, a, probably like about a year and a half in, yeah. I've kind of found like my like core groups. And I'm just like hardcore, like I'm still looking at like the newer stuff, but I kind of have my own taste now. So it's like, okay, like I'll, I'll, I'll check it out and like, I'll know if I'm into it or not. And um, if I'm interested and I think the band has potential, like I'll, I'll, I'll kind of just like, you know, watch from the outside, but there's like, a couple groups where I like all like you know I'm a big fan of or they or they call it standing right like oh I yeah, stand yeah. this band so there's just a, a couple of those and, and they don't release too often so it's like I I get like a, a break in between yeah. like releases so it's it's not as heavy but 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 I still do listen to uh, like a lot of K-pop but it has not uh, you know gotten in the way of hardcore yeah it does it does occur to me that like whenever I've like not been going to shows as much i weirdly fell down a wormhole some other genre you know like mm-hmm. I, I think like early 2000s i was listening to like a lot of rap or like at some point i think like i started listening to classic rock because i missed it entirely that makes sense like i was mm-hmm. one of those things where like i'd never listened to the rolling stones and i got like was like oh fuck the rolling stones are amazing you know like started like going through like Dude. a lot of like 70s mm-hmm. rock because i just had like neglected it because i've been into hardcore since i was 16. you know like no i i, I totally get that like i was not raised on classic rock and it's funny that you mentioned the the stones because I was watching this like this Netflix original Christmas movie, right? It was a couple of years ago. It was like this like because I'm like a sucker for like rom coms and mm-hmm. uh, holiday movies. So I, I was like one night I was just watching this uh, uh, Christmas movie and I can't remember what it's called. I'm gonna have to look this up because I, I got to give them props. But I was watching this Christmas movie and like uh, this like pivotal scene. Uh, they they um, put on uh, hold on this audio is playing and it's, uh, really bad. Yeah. Uh, they play the, the they play the Rolling Stones and I was just like, oh, this is what the Rolling Stones sound like. I've never listened to them. Right. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is crazy. If this is like what the Rolling Stones sound like, I think I might like this band. So because of like that one random like holiday movie, I checked out the Rolling Stones and I'm like, wow, this is yeah. like great music from so long ago that has always been here because right, they're so popular. You go yeah. into like a Spencer's gift or like a hot topic, or whatever, like you'll see like Rolling Stones on the wall. And I was just never aware. But now that like I watched that movie and they put me onto it, I'm like, wow, like I'm an actual fan of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, so I I do my best to try to 
listen to stuff that's not hardcore, but yeah, most of my listening at this point is pretty specific to hardcore or things that are hardcore adjacent. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other thing that occurred to me about like being into hardcore so long, and, and it's like a thing where like I I would clearly not be the person I I am today without hardcore. Like it is very much a huge part of who I am um, and what I've done with my life. Uh, but also it occurs to me that I probably would have dated more. You know, like, like, you know, like if somehow I was listening to something else or like, I don't know, drank alcohol or something. There's a little part of me that's like, oh, I might have might might had a funner time in high school, maybe. You know, like, you know, I think there's that weird downside to it where I think there's also points where like, you know, my social life was probably uh, weirdly regressed because, you know, I was only hanging out with other angry 16-year-old dudes, you know. That's interesting. I I, I feel like my my social life probably would have been worse if, if I didn't have hardcore. Cause like all, or I think the only thing that would probably have, like have benefited was like maybe like my academics. Cause I didn't take school serious. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like all, all, all I cared about was like, okay, I know there's a show like, you know, this weekend, or even if it was in the middle of the week, I was like, that's all I want to get to. Those were like these like weird checkpoints in my life. I'm like, all right, I just had to get through like two days of school and then Chad or Cody's going to pick me up and we're going to go to Redlands or, um, you know, uh, Marino Valley, Paris, whatever, just like for these random shows. And that's all I cared about. And it, 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 it honestly helped me a lot because I like, like I said before, like, I l- didn't have a lot of friends until I got into hardcore just because. Oh, yeah. No, me too. And I, I think my only point was more like, yeah, I mean, I think if I, I, I was, you know, very bummed out and very angry in high school and uh-huh. hardcore saved me from that, like it does most people. But also, like, I probably didn't get comfortable making small talk at a party till I was an, very much an adult. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like how to deal with like just normal people in a normal social situation took me a very long time. Like, you know, like probably my 30s or something. <laughs> like, you know, you could drop me alone at a dinner party and like I'd have something to talk about or not feel completely, you know, like, you know, awkward and like very uncomfortable. If that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I've kind of gone backwards because, um, like early days of hardcore like social media was there like with like myspace and stuff like you know uh, live journal friends or whatever you're using at the time i'm aim uh and it was always like are my friends gonna be there so like when you would show up and this is from like my perspective because like i was like having to drive from like the palm springs area to the inland empire or orange county to go to these shows and it was always just like this big question mark like oh like are our friends gonna be there um, and then when we would see them walk into the venue, it was just instant, like, holy fuck, like, happy you're here, blah, blah, blah. But now it's just like, I feel like it's like the opposite. It's like, I know if my friends are going to be there or not. And um, yeah. I, and I, I'm not as social at shows anymore. Maybe it's maybe because I'm older, a little bit more weird. But I just like to go to the shows and just like, um, you know, just enjoy the music and uh, not really socialize too much because it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. For, for me, it's just like, that's not what I want to do when I'm there. Uh, I'm like way more focused on the music aspect versus like back then it's just like it was like a weird like okay like i get to see my friends finally but i, I feel like now since i'm older like I, I i do see my friends outside of hardcore so uh things are just like uh, a, a little different yeah i mean i think that it's funny it's like there are people now that i've known for you know um, almost 30 years where like i don't i don't know their significant other like i couldn't tell you their name i couldn't tell you like you know if they have siblings or not and it's weird like it's because they're kind of like I've never had an office job. Like I, I teach college kids photo, you know, like mm. that's what I do. It's, it's, you know, before that works like, you know, grocery stores. Um, so I, I imagine it's kind of like what having work friends is like somehow, like, you know, like I've had these people who are like, you know, like I see them at shows and I've made small talk with them at shows for 30 years. And like, but we've never done anything outside of it, you know, going to a show or hanging out in front of a show in a weird way. And mm. it's like, it, it's fascinating where it's like, 
love the people, you know, totally, you know, know all kinds of weird specific stuff about them. But, you know, on some level, it's different than I think, you know, people who are friend friends, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, most of the people who are like my friends who like I'm having over for dinner are not hardcore people at this point, you know, like, or or were or, or, or probably better categorized as they were hardcore people at some point. But, you know, outside of me harassing them about stuff, don't know anything about hardcore nowadays, you know, yeah. or are going to shows unless I'm pestering them about something. Um, but yeah, it's weird. And I think like, you know, I, I guess I socialize at shows. Like I definitely say hi to people, but you know, I think on some level, like most people who are going to hardcore show, I'm still kind of socially awkward, you know, and it's definitely a room full of other people who I think you could generally categorize on some level of being socially awkward, you know, then being forced to kind of socialize together. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, that kind of thing or like, you know, Oh, do you hear the new turnstile? You know, like, and then it's a conversation about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, most of it's get for me getting there early, uh, sitting on stage and getting a little spot where people are going to kill me and I can photograph, you know, it's like that kind of thing. It's like getting on stage, you know, getting a little spot and hunkering down for the night. Yeah. And for all these like hardcore, uh, you know, photos that you take, um, outside of your Instagram, do you mm-hmm. have a, a place where you can, you host them for people can go and like art, like look at the archive. Cause I know you've been to like so many shows, probably a lot of shows before a lot of these kids yeah, have yeah. even born. I, I have a Facebook account and generally that's kind of weirdly what I use the Facebook account for at this point where it's just like an archive in an odd way. Like it's generally like, like I think on the Instagram, I generally try to like just post one post for each show and then just like slam the stories with a bunch of branded pictures. But if you go to my Facebook account, it's like a shitload more that I had a hard time figuring which ones I liked. So it's like, there's definitely a deeper dive on my Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I was curious. Cause I, I went to your website and I was like, Oh, I can't find yeah, it's generally like a weird selection of like pictures about men. There's like that combined with pro wrestling stuff that hasn't been updated in a while mm-hmm. on the website. But yeah, if you, if you, if you hit me up on Facebook, I definitely have more shit up there. It's like, I don't know where else to really house it at this point. I guess I could do something on Flickr or one of those other weird things or whatever Google has. It's like Flickr equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah, I think the Facebook page for me kind of it, it weirdly it works for me in that like it's easy for me to go back in time and be like, oh, that's when I took the picture and like can then look it up in my own files and stuff like that. It, it almost is like more a thing for my own archiving than anything else. Okay, that's fair. Or for the random old people. It's funny, like now when I tag bands. Uh, almost the only people who comment are their relatives. So most of it's like, you know, someone's aunt being like, you got a haircut. <laughs> yeah, it's like totally like not really related to the show, but that is kind of funny. Um, Facebook is interesting. I, I, I have a Facebook. Uh, I, I use it to talk to like my international friends and like my family, mm-hmm. which is like the weirdest yeah. thing. Yeah, it, it's I mean, it seems like people still post some show announcement stuff and it's a little easier for me to keep track of because it kind of like archives it as a calendar somehow but mm-hmm. yeah i don't it's not like i'm much more on the instagram nowadays and i i have a twitter account and i'm on it a little bit but nothing like you know i think in both cases my usage is more professional than personal if that makes sense there's not a whole lot of like you know this is what's going on in my life it's mostly like i went to the show you know or like i liked this exhibition i went to kind of thing yeah no i i totally get that and you know what's weird is like i have a lot of friends like on facebook from back when like i first started it so like you know mm-hmm. w- way different point in my life and i like it's, it's not like super personal on facebook right like obviously like it has like some like relatives and uh like basic information but 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 it's like private right because like you know i don't know weird stalkers whatever um <laughs> so but but it's weird because like I, I have so many friends on here that i have not spoken to in years yeah. and like our lives are just so different and it's just so weird sometimes because like, I'll, I'll log in you know just uh like i said to talk to my family or like my international friends and like i'll, I'll see like you know on like the the feed or whatever like oh so and so 
is doing this and i'm just like what like who is that person and like i kind of have to like go and like get like reintroduced to them and remember like oh shit like we were friends like 15 years ago and like yeah, I, it's kind of weirdly fascinating i'm always like yeah, I think uh, I went to high school at a kind of an affluent town in New Jersey called Summit, New Jersey. And it's uh-huh. like the amount of people I went to high school now who are all investment bankers is pretty fun. Or like how much older than me they look. You know, and, I, and, I'm, and it's not just my own vanity. It's a lot to be putting my wife, but how old does this person look? And they're like, oh, much older than you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, as someone who doesn't have a real job and or kids, I feel like, uh, you know, <laughs> I've kept a certain youthfulness compared to most people I went to high school with. Uh, you don't look your age, if I'm being honest. But again, I, I think that's the clean living people. You know, you know, you know be straight edge long enough. It does, it does uh, make you uh, does keep that uh, that youthful glow. True. Yeah. Because um, like when you mentioned your age, I was like, okay, he's not. Uh, you know, like doesn't look as old as he says he is. That's interesting. And, and it is weird too, right? Because there's like some people, like like even me, like like uh, I, I get asked sometimes how old I am, and, and I don't mind sharing my age. I'm not ashamed of it. But like people like always assume that I'm younger, which is like. Like, you know, I guess some people will like enjoy that, but I, I, I don't mind. I, I, I think it makes care. sense. I have a hard time telling how old people are. Like everyone seemed like going to a show. Most people seem like they're young, you know, saying like it's that weird thing where like, I think I met the Matt's from Jersey slide. I think Matt Z was still like in high school, you know, like that kind of thing where like, you know, and you're like, but he just looks as old as like his older brother, you know, like him and Jason, like, I don't know. They both could be 20 to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's weird as you get older. I have a hard time telling how old people are. I always do this weird thing where I just assume everybody's my age, which is probably yeah. pretty bad, right? Just because um, I, I, and I I don't really try to, you know, gauge people's like, you know, age. It's, it's like a, like a thing that I don't really care about because if I, most time when I'm like interacting with people, it's like either um, at a hardcore show or like, you know, because of like mutual friends. And, and I, I, I don't really know like too many like younger people, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to think like who's like the youngest friend that I have. I can't even think of it because like a lot of people that I roll with, are literally like around my age at least like a year or two difference so like when i go to these shows i i i do look across the room and I, and you can obviously tell like there are some like young kids i'm just like wow that's that's interesting but also really cool because it's like these are the people who are going to be here when i'm gone and it's just a, a good thing that there is like this like youthful presence uh, at, at least out here that's something that i always like you know want to like stress and kind of put out there that we got to kind of uh, help like lay the foundation and let these kids know that like you know they're going to be the ones that keep this alive so like respect it and like you know enjoy it and like you know be prepared to you know keep it going to put in the work and to you know to, to keep it here if you if, if you want right because this thing isn't guaranteed it could you know end at any point but um when i go to these shows and i see these young funny. kids I feel like it's not going to end, but I think you definitely like your scene can go away, you know, and you could definitely go dormant or definitely, you know, I think like, I don't think the genre is going anywhere. I think there's enough like very old people who like, as you say, aren't going to shows, but are still listening to like that one sick of it all record. They own. like, I think those people, you know, like the genre will exist in that sense. But yeah, I think definitely like, you know, I've lived through definite upsides and downsides to like New York going away and coming back or New Jersey going away and coming back where there's a lot of stuff and then there's nothing or like, you know, there's like shows are all sold out or like, you know, hardly anyone's at it. So yeah, definitely that stuff will come and go and, you know, showing up helps. Yeah, I, I was, when I was at the turnstile show the other night, I was uh, in line, uh, you know, w- w- with my buddy Andy to get some turnstile merch and I get approached by these two dudes and they they asked me like oh like are you jamie <laughs> and it, it was um it's, it's always weird for me like when, when this happens but i uh, appreciate it but they, they came up and like introduced themselves as like you know pe- people who listen to the podcast and 
I was just I'm always curious about like, you know, who, uh, you know, people are that listen to this. It always, um, you know, uh, humbles me. And I always I always appreciate it. But I, I was talking to these two guys uh, and I was just asking about like where they're from in their scene. And they're telling me that they're from like New Orleans and that they don't really have a scene. Right. There's because I asked them, like, well, what lo- local band should I be checking out from your area? And they're just like, honestly, dude, there aren't any local bands like it, it's sad. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And, and they're telling me how they have to travel like, you know, three or four hours to the nearest scene just to get to a show. But they have that passion to do that because yeah. they love hardcore. And obviously um, from New Orleans to Garden Grove, they flew out for this um, show specifically. And I was just I was so interested in their story because I'm like, OK, like like I have it lucky. Right. Like I'm out here in Southern California. Shit's like like a well oiled machine. Right. And, and and that's granted to the hard work of um, the people booking shows, um, you know, uh, like all the dudes at SOS and just everybody else that you know, works hard to get this going. Right. It's just like this thing that's like I, I feel it's just like way more accessible out here versus like where they're at. Right. Where the kids have uh, lost their passion and there's no uh, like people who want to book shows or bands that want to go through like whatever the reasons are. And just to hear that, it, it just it, it always just blows my mind that there are places where there are kids who are wanting it, but um, it's like way harder for them to, to have that access to, to get to the live shows. So to talk oh, yeah, to them, yeah, is, it's crazy. Like coming from a privileged place of being on the East coast and being, you know, you know, four hours to DC, four hours to Boston, you know, under four hours to say Wilkesbury, you know, like there's a lot of, sh- like there's a lot of different scenes that are a reasonable drive for me. So it's like, if one thing's slowing down, you know, inevitably one of those other things is really popping. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely have a, a, a nice vantage point on things where you know I, I it's not going away for me but yeah if you're in new orleans i could see where that'd be much more tenuous yeah and, and shout out to uh god i gotta remember their names because i don't want to seem like a dick because I, I was really appreciative of them coming up but uh, shout out sam and dustin from new orleans for coming up to me at the turnstile show uh th- those kids have a lot of passion and uh you know uh, uh, good people kids who love hardcore and young kids too they're like in their early yeah. 20s like traveling across the country for a show like i, I didn't start flying for shows i think to like my mid-20s so for them to be able to have like that kind of access early on i think it was great for them i don't i'm trying to think of things like i flew uh, that the first black flag reading where like greg ginn announced it as being him like chuck and like you know more or less a full band that happened in LA, which would have been again, early 2000s. I flew out for that. I think that's the only show I've actually flown to. I mean, I've definitely driven across, I've driven to like Louisville or driven to Florida for stuff. But yeah, I think that's the only thing I've ever flown, like specifically like, oh, we're flying just for this. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm just now getting into that, which is crazy because th- there's obviously been a ton of things that I've wanted to fly for, but back then I was like broke and uh, was too scared to travel alone, but now, yeah. I, I think after uh, you know 2020, I was like, all right, I, I got to take advantage of like the opportunities that I have and try to get out there more. So it's like, e- like even in like the next couple of months, I'm flying like it, it seems like a lot of places um, for hardcore, but it's like things that I want to do and want to experience. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so it, it's interesting and um, and I hope it's a good time, right? Because like it's places that I've never been, uh, you know, shows and fests that I've never been to. So it's uh, like I, I'm really curious to see what the experience will be like, and hopefully mm-hmm. it's a positive one, and I'll keep doing it, you know, in the coming future. So you're coming out for Wilkes Bear, right? Like you're doing the SWB. Yes, um, I'm. I'm really excited for that. But that that weekend is uh, like uh, such a crazy weekend for like Southern California because uh, God's Hate record release that weekend, Ooh. and then Change from you know the yeah, Pacific yeah. Northwest. They're coming down and playing program. Oh, nice. I'm just like, why, why am and like I booked the the flight to um, you know uh, PA before both those shows got announced, but it just bums me out that. 
I have to miss those because I I feel like a poser, obviously, because I I'm, I'm a huge fan of Gods of Hate and um excuse me Gods Hate, and I'm a huge fan of Change. Like I write for those bands. I like you know the dudes in the bands are awesome, but the fact that I'm not gonna be here for either of them, I just feel like a big poser. It bums yeah, me I mean, out. You know, it, it's gonna happen. You gotta you're gonna miss stuff. It's an inevitability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rough, but, but I am thankful that I have friends in um, you know PA that are you know willing to, to to house me and that are stoked that I'm coming out. And I'm just experienced, or I'm stoked to get to experience their scene and see what it's like out there, and, and you know be around a bunch of kids that I'm not familiar with and see a bunch of bands that I haven't seen, and especially um, bands in their like home area. Like that's like one thing I'm stoked to see. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, I'll be at SWB as well. I'm, I, I like the last one. Last the the one they had before the shutdown was fantastic. So I'm oh, excited okay, that. awesome, cool. Well, I'll I get to meet you there, which I'm, yeah, I'm excited. But yeah, and also I, there's gonna be like a lot of people that are gonna be there that I've never met before, which I'm stoked about. Just a lot of good people. Now, how did you get hooked up with from within? Like, were you a fan of them before they started backing backing the podcast or? How did that happen? <laughs> okay, how did like I've been listening in reverse, so like I've okay. been listening to, like contemporary episodes, and I think I'm like shit like uh the lead singer of no labels or uh whatever who just started singing for hesitate that dude like i just listened to his podcast jason mm-hmm. you know so like that's how far backwards i've gotten if that makes any sense okay that and that's awesome that that you're digging into like the older episodes i i, I appreciate that but no if i'm being honest i was uh put on okay, uh, this is how it happened in my mind yeah. um i was going to well I, I was on vacation in florida for because um, yeah. i i I'm used to do this uh annual disney world trip right yeah. and I, I was out in florida and just so happens that weekend was the point of contact uh, commitment record release show yeah. so i i went down there and my buddy evan he was like yo like you got to check out this band burning strong like they're, they're they're super sick like just go there make sure to, to see them so i saw burning strong and i feel like that for me that's where it started because that's like probably like the uh like the first band that was like because like burning strong that that was from within records first release mm-hmm. and um so I, I felt like that's where i was like aware of th- that little bubble right mm-hmm. um because at the time from within wasn't that busy and then you fast forward to fya in 2020 i see uh payback live and um, I, and, I, and there's like this weird thing whenever I see bands live, I always like to kind of see w- what kind of drummer they have because I'm a, I'm always fascinated by the drums. So that's something that the I'm not. Five six drum cam. Dude, th- th- those are awesome. Very fun to watch because like I, I I don't know why I'm always interested, right? So I I, I saw the drummer uh, Carter Holmes. He he performed, and it wasn't until the after show, um, the the after show of night one, we were in this little bar. And he was like standing like right in front of me and I was like, oh, like I'm going to kind of poke him and tell him that I enjoyed his drumming. So that was like my first ever real interaction with Carter was like me talking to him in that bar. I'm like, yo, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I I love the payback set. I I think he did a really great job. And, um, you know, he was super nice, very thankful. And then we just started following each other on uh, on Instagram. And then that's where like the relationship started. And Uh, yeah. And and then we talked behind the scenes about, uh, you know promo stuff and it's just yeah. kind of gone from there and for me to, to 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 meet somebody with that kind of passion and to have that kind of dedication to want to do a label because it, it's a lot of work if you think about it yeah. right um people might not understand how hard it is to actually um you know uh, run a label especially to get bands interested to want to sign and then to help promo put out the vinyl merch all that it, it's, it's a lot to do and it's, it's a one-man show it's just carter holmes right doing it all so for him to to, to have that passion it's something that i um, you know, just like love to see and to know somebody like that. It, it was just awesome. So we started, uh, or I, I, I started doing promo for them 
And I told Carter, I was just like, yo, this is something that I enjoy doing. And I, and I just want to see you, su- see you succeed. And he, he, he fucks with my vision and what I'm doing. So yeah. it's, it's like, it's just like, we're just kind of there together. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, Jamer K podcast from within records till who knows when it was, no, I mean, as a, as a listener, it's just like impressive how much you put on for the East coast or like how much you know about the East coast. I'm always like weirdly impressed by like, like, you know, I'm sorry. I was calling uh, no uh, option, no labels, yeah. uh, but no option. Like, you know, like they're not a big band necessarily out here. You know, and it's like mm-hmm. that you're like in California interview. I'm like, oh, that's really impressive. You know, like that kind of thing where I'm like, it's like a lot of stuff like I like, from, but I'm here and seeing them at shows, you know, and it's like, it's pretty cool that you're out in California, like, you know, big it up and big upping them and, you know, putting them out. I, and I feel like that just goes back to just me being hungry to know what's going on everywhere. Cause, cause I don't know, maybe it's like the time that I was brought up. Cause like, like early on, like, uh, out here in Southern California, I was like, we had like a great scene, but we were always fascinated by like, you know, the Boston scene because of Boston beatdown, right? That was like yeah. something that we were like, we would all <laughs> like, you know, have, uh, you know, watch parties. Like anytime there was like, like a new um, friend to the group, like, Hey, have you seen Boston beatdown yeah, volume two? 454 big flat <laughs> doing like surgery on people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dude, we're, like with, with like floss and shit. I'm like, dude, what is going on? And then like, just seeing, seeing like old footage of like, you know, of like Ramallah and like blood for blood yeah. and even like death port is honor and, um, you know, bands like that. It was just something that we kind of like idolized because it was just like crazy shit like that um, is like what led to basically like everything else. Right. Because like you got to think the Boston scene is so important to like hardcore history. I don't know if people realize that to this day, but um, like we just had so much love for for Boston and and obviously New York. So um, we were always just curious about like, like, you know, we knew we had good shit here, but we also know or we knew that there was good shit going on in other places. So we were always just trying to kind of reach out and find out and just see what's going on. So that's always how it's been for me. And just through doing the podcast, like luckily I just started with like, you know, like one guest and it just sort of just like kind of spider webbed out. And I have people reaching out like, hey, like my friends in this band or hey, I'm starting this new band, check this out. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, how it's been. And, and, and I, I always tell everybody, like whenever I have anybody on the show, like I genuinely am interested in like them as a person or their art or their band or like whatever they're doing. And I just want to help promote it. So, so that's why I, I, I do that. Right. Like it's not, yeah, some... go ahead. And I think even the conversation, it's that kind of thing where it's like, there's so many of these people who are like, I'm like listening to podcasts and it's literally people I've probably known for a decade or so. And like, you're like. Yeah, I don't know that much about him in some weird way. Like, you know, like I know enough to like, you know, carry a conversation with them at a show and like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Or if I ran into the street, be like, we, we'd have a conversation. But it's definitely like it's it's been enjoyable to weirdly kind of get to know people more through podcasts than I probably do in real life. And in, which is probably not healthy or, uh, you know, it's kind of weird as a listener at some point, but it's been enjoyable. It's definitely been like cool to like, you know, get to know more about people who I generally see around. Um, I, I don't think it's weird because because I'm in that same boat too, right? Because yeah. th- there's people that I uh, you know kind of know or that I'm friends with, but obviously we're not like best friends. Yeah. So like when I um you know will read an interview or listen to them on another podcast, I'm still finding out new stuff. So yeah. I I just um I I think it's interesting, right? Because obviously not everybody um like interacts the same if, if that makes yeah. sense. So just to be able to hear some someone speak and tell their story is it, it, it's it's cool to hear about it and especially if you are able to pick up on, on, on some new stuff. Cause when when those two guys um approached me at the turnstile show, they yeah. like were bringing up things that I didn't think that they would know about. 
but they knew about it because they listened to the podcast like they were actually like yeah. real listeners right they're like oh like like um you're going to pensacola right uh, we're going to be there and i'm like holy shit like you're actually listening to the podcast you're not just telling me that you're listening to tell me like you guys are actually like legit dropping you know facts from the podcast so it's like it was interesting to have someone kind of like know stuff about me without me even knowing who they were yeah. Um, but it was cool. Uh, so, so I, I get um, what you're saying, but 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 it's awesome, right? Because I feel like yeah. it's just another um, cool thing, and it's part of like why I wanted to do this because like you know, as fun as like reading an interview is, like sometimes I'd want to go like more in depth, right? Like I oh, want totally. more from that answer than just like a couple lines. Oh yeah, if you type this all thing out, we just did. This would be a very long read. Yeah, you know, like- <laughs> be like a book, maybe. <laughs> um, um, can I ask you a Marvel question? Sure. Um, now, I'm not mistaken. You were a little let down by the end of One Division. Was that? Um, I, I was. You uh, weren't psyched on. You weren't as psyched on One Division. Yeah, I, I wasn't psyched on the the show, and then like all the speculation. Maybe it was my fault for expecting a lot from the post credit scene because there was supposed to be like you know like a whole Doctor Strange two tie in, uh-huh. uh, but we obviously didn't get a whole lot of that. Right? It was just uh, it wasn't any Doctor Strange two yeah. um, really, but. Yeah, and I, the the show was just like really like like artsy and like kind of like a like a weird sitcom. And yeah, see, see now that as again, I'm coming in cold. Like I I knew the Scarlet Witch exists, uh-huh. but I can't tell you I've ever actually read an Avengers comic. I was much more of an X Men person. Okay. Um, but like for me, it was just like oh shit, it's like if they got David Lynch to do like a Marvel series. You know, mm-hmm. like I I really enjoyed that it was like fucking weird, and it was just them doing like really weird referential like TV things, and and, and I. I think my only issue was that entirely of it was that like the bad guy ended up being an actual bad guy. Like I kind of liked the idea that somehow Scarlet Witch's subconscious was undermining herself. Like mm-hmm. when things were going bad in the TV show, mm-hmm. I was like the idea that it was like her own subconscious kind of fucking with herself, you know, that then it was like another witch messing with her. I felt a little disappointing, but otherwise I really enjoyed it. It was probably one of my favorite of the Marvel like TV show things. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah maybe it was just bad. And also I, expectations about like dr strange or anything you know what I'm saying it's like mm. that kind of stuff where like i'm very cold on all of this and just being like oh i like superheroes you yeah know? and i i think i might be better that way because sometimes i have to let go of like this weird standard that i hold because like i've read like a lot of the comic books right because like yeah. I, I started in like 2011 so like 2011 till now is like kind of like my like scene right when it comes yeah. to like comic books and yeah like I, i've dived into like a, like a lot of like the older stuff for like my favorite characters but not everybody right so there's still like a lot of missing pieces but i i just have to sometimes let go of like these like weird standards and like i i have to try to not base these like movies and tv shows like like or hold them to the like their comic book counterparts right because yeah. it's not always going to be the same and that was really hard for me um so when, when i see a character like scarlet witch who's like like rated like an omega level mutant right yeah. um way more powerful than a lot of those uh, other superheroes that she yeah. was fighting alongside which people probably don't really understand but just, just i don't know I, I feel like she's underutilized if that makes sense i, I feel like if we saw yeah, like, it's like a, yeah totally and again it's like i have none of that baggage you know yeah. in a weird way or even like x-men stuff like my best friend tom like runs a comic book store in philly you know partners uh-huh. and son here in philly but like so like whenever i watch this stuff i have to be like i'm like literally calling him be like dude what what was that again like you know i have to like have them explain to me who people were and remind me and stuff like that it's like i only kind of remember the x-men from like late 90s to early 90s you know it's like they've even rewritten weird backstories since then or rebooted stuff since then so i'm always oh, like so many he's times. gotta explain like three decades worth of backstory to be like oh okay i get it <laughs> yeah yeah it, it gets really hard but i'm just really curious now because we're kind of in like this weird like trans i feel like this whole phase is like this weird like transition right because 
from like Endgame and before we had like all like the iconic superheroes that everybody knows Captain America, Iron Man, and then we got introduced to like the lesser known ones like Ant Man, mm -hmm. uh, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, whatever. But now it's like okay, like a lot of those people have gone away. So now um, we have people like Shang Chi, and a lot of people are like, who the fuck is Shang Chi? Nobody really knows, yeah. and it's just like yeah, right. see, I, I don't, I don't either. Or the the Immortals, I don't know, you know. But again, I'm mm -hmm. kind of like weirdly like. Everything's been pretty good so far, so I'm I'm on board. I, I have some confidence that this is going to be enjoyable. Yeah, I'm. The, in my opinion, Marvel hasn't really missed like uh, since they've started like the MCU. Like probably Black Widow might be um, like yeah, low tier. Black Widow. Okay, it's like Black. In my mind, it's like Black Widow or like uh, the second Thor movie. Uh, I forget what it's called, but those are like pretty bad. Uh, also, can I catch? This is the other reason I was like kind of so so on a lot of the Marvel movies. Until I had a summer where I just rewatched all of them in the row in a row, and I think uh -huh. it was probably like before the last Avengers came out. That summer, I just watched everything sequentially, and I was like, "Oh, this is so much more enjoyable," you know. Like, and they weirdly function like comic books do, where it's like mm -hmm. almost the end of them always kind of like weirdly ends in a point where you're like, oh, "I wonder what happens next," and then the next movie starts, and you're like, "Oh, it's kind of like okay, cool," you know. Like, it has this kind of weird like makes me want to see the next one in a way that I think they're almost serialized, like you know, old timey serials in that sense. Yeah, I, I feel like someone like you who's been around for like a, like you know a bit like reading comics is like way back when you were reading comics. There was like like the the quality of movie was nowhere near. Oh yeah, what there were no existing. Yeah, it was it was yeah. like maybe the Spawn movie came out. I think like that, that might have been the back end of my reading stuff was that Spawn movie. Yeah, because like for me it was like you know like the OG Daredevil movie with like Ben Affleck yeah. and Jennifer yeah. Garner, which <laughs> it's like uh, it's bad, but but I still have like fun watching it. Uh, but to to go from that to what we have today, it's like. I'm so thankful that I, I get to experience this because it's so good, right? Oh, but and then they carry stuff over from like, like I mean, watching the, the Avengers and having so much of the other movies weirdly pay off in the end in the last two Avengers movie, you're like, that's really impressive that they have this universe of like twelve fucking movies that all kind of weirdly make sense together and like kind of tie together. Uh, struck me as very impressive. Yeah, um, my buddy. What the, what the books used to work like you know, like you'd read like a cable, and cable would kind of tie back into you know X Factor or something would tie into like you know a Kenny X Men. Yeah, well, I, I figured that's how I figured out that's how Marvel likes to steal your money, right? They'll have like this one big event and then all these <laughs> pointless tie-ins. So I, I, I've gotten away from buying because like, I used to buy like every single yeah. book because I, I used to work at the comic book shop that I still shop yeah. at. Shout out Comic Hero U, but I still get my employee discount, so I I, I get a very good rate. But I'm, I, I've I, and I have way less time now. But now I just read a lot, like like my staple like favorite superheroes. Like uh, I'll always read uh, Iron Man daredevil x-men like no matter what who it could be the crappiest writer in the world i'm still going to read it because it's like my favorite superhero but but outside of them i like to follow my favorite writers right yeah. so i'll i'll go wherever brian michael bendis goes yeah. uh brian Kavon, like on the indie side uh you know just stuff like that and, and even like some of my um, you know more popular writers um who are doing the marvel stuff to also do some indie books i'll just like like to follow them so it, it's, it's just like very interesting how i kind of navigate that world now because i used to be like 100 percent all in buying like you know spending hundreds of dollars every week on huh. comics so that, that, that that's where i was at my peak which is like everything vaguely x-men related i was buying yeah and it's like i'm always like mildly tempted to get back in like a new comic book store opened up near me in greenpoint and i'm like oh maybe i should start reading marvel again and it's like i i i spend enough money on records and mm -hmm. art books and like you know i collect enough shit where i'm like oh, i I'm, i can't trust myself to be spending money on a whole other thing like you know like <laughs> I really don't have that kind of self-control to be like just a casual reader. Uh, 
but I feel like you can be because there are there are. I feel like there are some really great stories that you should probably oh, oh, at least I'm check sure out. You could. I'm just saying. I don't yeah. think me personally. I think you know it's a very slippery slope where I'm going to start off with like one thing, and you know, like a month from now, be like you know seventy dollars a month of like random shit. Yeah. Um. But I, I was going to mention earlier, my, my buddy uh, Drew. He sings for this band called uh, Time and Pressure from St. Louis. Yeah, um, I, I know the name more than I've listened. Yeah. Okay, you should check out the band. I feel like they're like one of the the best hardcore bands. I, I feel that's like an extra grind staple that, that always kind of pops up, and I always kind of need to like listen to more. They're so good, and I, I feel like they suffer from just being from like a not popular scene, which I, I and I hate to say right, but but it's true, right? There are there are scenes that get more noticed because of they're more popular, right? For whatever reason, no shade to St. Louis, but I think time and pressure is one of the best current hardcore bands like i i like outside of them being uh, good people i just think their music is like top tier yeah. but um the, the singer drew he sent me this link and i i, I wonder if it's still up but somebody did like a, a somebody did a super cut of mm-hmm. like uh, I, I think it was before endgame came out but th- they did like a super cut of all like the avengers films leading up to endgame into like one like movie <laughs> Which was kind of cool because I'm like, yeah, all right, totally. I, I was like, if if I was somebody just getting in and wanted to play catch up but didn't have like a lot of time, like this supercut would be good. And I watched it and it actually made sense. Like it wasn't too like, wait, why did that happen? It, it all you know somehow they made it work. And I'm like, wow, this is actually really fun to watch. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I watch all the Netflix Marvel shows over quarantine. That was one of my like things to do over quarantine, like uh-huh. when I was going through stuff. And yeah, I mean, I, I thought they were fine. I think at the end of it, I was like. Uh, they're okay like i like some of it more than others but like you know uh, which was your favorite i'm curious uh i I mean obviously daredevil i think held through um Mm -hmm. weirdly i liked iron fist but i think my understanding was everyone hated iron fist so maybe i went through with weird you know does that make sense like i I came in with a having never read the comic Mm -hmm. having no expectations and thinking it was going to be terrible so weirdly i kind of oddly enjoyed it more than i think you know i might have otherwise i I think it was one of those situations where the popular opinion was that it was bad so it was just kind of hard to change people's mind yeah. right like season one wasn't the hottest I'll, 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 i guess it, i was expecting it to be much worse if that makes any sense and i, okay. and I think i kind of enjoyed it because i thought it was going to be worse <laughs> and then it was kind of like oh this is pretty good yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't the worst i think in my opinion the worst one was the defenders where it had all of them together I, I, I kind of liked it, but I think I think you guys said it on the podcast. I think like I kind of wanted more from it or something, or wanted, mm. or maybe obviously they just stopped making seasons. But yeah, I kind of thought like I was excited for it to happen, or like part of my like Herculean test task of getting through it. I'm like, oh, I've got to the they're all together. I've done something. I've achieved something. Yeah. Like I make it to this point, and that was a little kind of not here nor there on it. Uh, but I, I'm happy to hear that you enjoyed Iron Fist because I, I feel like season one was like okay, I get why people wouldn't like it, but I feel like he redeemed himself in season two but i feel like season three would have been it like that would have been like the defining season for him but obviously with disney plus coming out and disney wanting to pull out so that they could have um, their own series and not really compete with themselves that's the thing about wandavision that was the first marvel show i watched after watching all the netflix things Uh oh fuck this is so much like another like this is even the same ballpark as those netflix shows like have you had a chance to watch like Winter Soldier or Loki? Oh yeah, yeah. I've watched it. I'm 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 completely caught up. I'm on, okay. I'm watching What If too. So I'm I'm, I'm okay. on top of my. I got I got a login for my sister for Disney Plus. So I'm I'm all good. I'm all <laughs> caught up on Marvel stuff. Hell yeah! <laughs> Shout out to your sister for that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like out of like all of them, like Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, is still my favorite. I feel like I, I'm just like drawn more to like the more action packed stuff, right? And I I, yeah. I do like some in depth stories, but I've never been like a super big Loki fan. Uh, so yeah, I really like I like Loki and I like Doctor Strange more than I would have thought. So I've kind of liked the weird alternate verse stuff mm-hmm. in a way that I'm kind of surprised how much I've enjoyed it. And I think I liked Winter Soldier. 
And I think maybe it's there's a part of me that wishes they kind of went even harder on the racial dynamics and or like, uh, you know, black men being Captain America. Like they kind of touch on it a little mm. bit, but I kind of I, I'm like, that's the part that I like to be like, oh, I'd like to see a whole season just dealing with that. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if you're um, caught up, but did, did you see that uh, they're going to sign on uh, for Anthony Mackie being Captain America in the next Captain America movie? So Captain oh, America 4 yeah. is going to be. I, I'm all for that. Yeah. So. I'm hoping that's where they actually kind of tap into that more, right? Because obviously yeah. his his area was like, you know, stoked with him being uh, Captain America, but that's yeah. not the rest of the country, right? So yeah. I, I, I hope that um, that element does play a role because in the comic books, that was a really big deal. Uh, yeah, where, that's what you guys were saying. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah. again, this is where I'm like, oh, maybe I should read that. I, I have the full run if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I'm not crazy. My, my friend Todd was saying that like, so he runs a thing called Partners in Sign, and mostly it's just like art comics. Like it's not like superhero stuff. It's like kind of like you know very arty things. Mm -hmm. But he reads Marvel stuff. But he was saying that he was like doing it through the public library in New York. You could just get like if you had the New York public library card, you could read the digital stuff for free through them. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And it was all part of me was kind of tempted to like look into that, like start reading that online. Dude, if I think that's your solution, if you don't want to spend the yeah. money, just get. Uh, I'm not sure how much it, it does it even cost money to get a like a library card. No, 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 not that I'm aware of. I I haven't had one in a long time, but uh -huh. yeah, at least at least I recall it was a free thing to have a, a New York Public Library card. It could be a good solution, because yes, yeah, so I've been lazy about getting around to it. Yeah, because there, there are um, obviously if you were a fan back then, I'm, I'm sure there's someone um today that probably suits your taste when it comes to right like, like back then did you care about like like what would you care more about like like the actual art or like the story like what, what, what I, I think it was more the story uh i think you know by the early 2000s the art was getting a little computery uh you know and i think that kind of turned me off a little bit but yeah i think mostly it was just the story stuff i was kind of just a sucker for like again like a serial where it's like what's gonna happen next like who is the bad guy you know like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. got me kind of hooked and i'm very easy to be like yeah 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 i want to i want to find out what, how this goes i feel it's the same with like tv shows like all those like kind of mystery sci-fi tv shows it's like once i start i have a hard time not watching like it gets pretty terrible before i'm gonna stop like i kind of like you know like i'm like i'm in it to the end like w which was the last one you watched that was like that oh uh i want to say lost but there's been like a hundred million since then that i've watched that i've kind of like you know gone all the way into like you know it's maybe not so great uh, but yeah, I'm drawing a blank at this moment. Uh, you, were you ever a fan of like Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I watched Game of Thrones up until the end. Uh, I wasn't as angry as everyone about the ending, but like, I always wanted it to end with uh, was it uh, whatever the blonde woman Cleese is? I was the blonde woman was. I'm mm -hmm. already forgetting this. When she just goes and kills everybody on the dragon, I'm like, I would have been happy with that being the ending. Like some kind of weird nihilistic, like you know, you know, she just goes evil, and that's where we end it. You yeah. Know? I, I, I hate to be like a like a weird purist or like think that like my opinion is better than anybody when it comes to Game of Thrones, but like like I came late to Game of Thrones, right? Like I, I yeah, had, me too, me too. Had, I, I was a little skeptical about dragon things, and then like somehow you know once I was in, I was all in. I used to like uh, like bootleg like like download TV shows like on this old mm -hmm. website called like Mega Upload. If anybody mm -hmm. ever remembers that, and I remember I would always see this show titled game of thrones like always at the top right always like like the top seated whatever um and i was just like oh game of thrones and i thought it was like completely something different i thought it had to do with like video games or something just by off the title yeah but it wasn't until this dude that i used to hang out with his name was justin he was like hey like uh you're coming out here like out here which was like orange county at the time because i was still living in palm springs um he was like hey like you're gonna be out here on vacation like there's this show called game of thrones like we should watch it there's not that many episodes out this was 
um, I'm pretty sure only season one and season two were out. He was like, we, we can run through it really fast. Um, and I think you'll like it. So I'm like, all right, like, let's check it out. And I watched, we watched season one and two and I was like completely hooked. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is so good. So in between seasons two and three, I like went out and like read the books because I couldn't wait for season three. I was so hungry that I was like, all right, like I want to like know more. So I, I went out and read the books and then I started figuring out like, you know, more about like the author and like where the fuck is the rest of the books. Right. Yeah. And then like season eight, obviously like, uh, and then even by that point, I'd like, you know, found a podcast that would break down like every episode and like compare it yeah. to the book. And they would like put me onto way more knowledge than I thought I already had. So I was just like, you know, just knowing all this stuff. Right. And then even getting to the point where the, the show writers had to kind of create their own ending because they got to the point where they surpassed the books. And I'm, I'm just, like it, it always pissed me off that people talked so much shit about the last season, yeah. but I, I just felt like they were just kind of being parrots, right? Just kind of saying what everybody else said. Cause I, I couldn't even tell you the number of people that, um, that went so hard on how bad season eight was that didn't even read the books or anything, or even really know anything outside of the TV shows. And it was just pissed me off. Cause I'm like, yeah, you might think it's bad, but like, you got to understand where everybody's coming from. And in all reality, I don't think it's that bad. And my theory, hear me out. I feel like the the author, right? Uh, whatever. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, Martin. Uh, oh yeah, the, yeah. He's a larger fellow who yeah. might die at any moment. Yeah. I I, I feel like because uh, he came up with all these excuses, right? Why he hasn't finished the book? He's talking about how fans are coming to his house because they found his address to have coffee with him, and blah blah blah. But I feel like he wanted to play it safe, let the you know the uh, brothers finish the show and see if the general audience like that ending give him a dry run yeah, yeah and cool if, if they did then maybe he'd run with that but if they hated it like they did maybe he could recreate his his actual ending and try to you know fix it and kind of send it off with like this final you know goodbye that people will actually uh, remember it you know in a positive light versus like this weird negative light that people put on like one of the, the greatest tv shows ever I think that's like like I think it ha it has that kind of same thing that comic books do where like they're kind of serialized like on some level they're meant to like be another issue, you know, or like it's it's or to build to the next issue and like whenever you end that long series of a narrative, people are always going to be kind of bummed, you know. It's like it's never you know it's hard to like think of TV shows that ended where everybody's like oh that was a good ending, you know. I think it's like inevitable and I think the guy from The Walking Dead kind of said something similar about like ending the comic where he was like. Yeah, you're kind of fucked no matter what you do like you know people are going to be no matter how it ends people are going to generally be unhappy yeah and especially with like it's a big of a you know fan base that like that comic book and tv show uh has and like obviously people are like you know trying to predict the ending and with so many predictions out there somebody pretty much has to be right just the sheer numbers and and i'm sure that somebody had guessed right uh, do you know the ending of, of the comic uh, book? no no i i've been again i'm very passive i watch the shows and the spinoffs but i've never read the comics so i'm a very passive fan in this sense okay um well somebody guessed the ending right and it wasn't like that big of a surprise you kind of figure like okay like that's fine but it wasn't like the most like satisfying thing but again i think it's that kind of thing where like if there's not another one, people are going to weirdly be disappointed, you know, because I think that's almost the structure of the show is like, you know, who's the bad guy or who are the guys behind the mask or walking down the road with the people hung upside down, you know, like it's always that kind of like part of the story is figuring out who the thing is and what's going on. And, you know, at the end of the day, the answer is never going to be that fun. Or, I, you know, what occurred to me, like the Star Wars prequels, like at some point it occurred to me about all those was like, no matter what they did with prequels, they were going to kind of be terrible because I already in my mind, had a weird backstory for the characters. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I already kind of weirdly had in my mind, 
how Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader. And no matter what they were going to do, it wasn't going to be what I already kind of built up in my head in a weird way. You know, like, don't get me wrong, those movies are trash. But I think even the best version of those probably would have been disappointing to me in some weird way because, like, in my imagination, I already had a thing, you know, and it was super cool to me because it's my imagination, you know? Yeah. Going back to The Walking Dead, they did a pretty interesting thing with the last issue of the comic book. Um, Because obviously, when all these, like, comic book stores, um, before they order these books in advance they get like a solicitation basically you know just like a quick synopsis of like what the book's about but with the last issue they didn't get the solicitation that it was going to be the last issue yeah. um some people were in the know and knew obviously yeah. but a lot of people didn't so like not that many so stores didn't really order up on the final yeah. issue of the walking dead so when it came out and people realized like holy shit like this is the final issue it was like people were like scrambling to get out there then obviously a lot of people were actually shocked like holy shit this thing that i've been with for years it just ended and i didn't even know this was going to be it so it's pretty interesting uh and I assume the spinoff shows are going to outlast the comics then now. It seems like they have enough of the weird spinoffs that I assume aren't going to all come to the end when the regular show ends. I assume so. But uh, apparently, like, okay, and I'm being honest, I haven't watched the show since like season four. So I don't even know what's going on or where they're at. But apparently this was Yeah, there's like a spinoff that's like young people. And then there's like a spinoff that's just kind of like a B show. And then last I heard, there's a movie version coming to at some point. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be like the final thing, like the movie, which I'm like, all right, hopefully it does well. Because I'm a fan of the writer. Uh, I, I think he does uh, awesome stuff um, outside of The Walking Dead and, and The Walking Dead. But um, I, I'm just, yeah, just curious to see where it goes. Because like, I think it was like kind of like a shock and surprise to everybody at how popular that, that show and that comic book got. But I think even like your description of like getting into the Game of Thrones and listening to podcasts about Game of Thrones and then like, you know, reading the books about Game of Thrones. I feel like it's like almost weirdly inherent to hardcore fandom, you know, that kind of like mild OCD obsessiveness, you know, or that kind of like need to like, you know, you get into something and you really get into it. And I find mm. myself doing the exact same thing and weirdly trying to check myself at times being like, oh, I, don't, I only have so much time. Like I can't really have enough time for it to be like, like I obsess enough about baseball and wrestling and hardcore. I'm not sure I have another thing to add to that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, mm. my consumption of stuff, you know, but yeah, I find myself doing the exact same thing where it's like, there's a little part of me that's like, I should be reading all the, 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 you know, Walking Dead comics and I should be listening to a podcast about Walking Dead or like Marvel. I've been like trying to like not listen to podcasts about Marvel stuff just because I feel like I'd start subscribing to a Marvel podcast and be OCD listening to that all the time. You know, I'm curious about, uh, you know, wrestling because you've yeah. mentioned a, a couple of times like, and are, are you speaking about like pro wrestling? Like, yeah, w- yeah, totally. like pro WWE? Wrestling, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or like the lower level of that, which would be the indie version, you know. Okay. Oh, so you, you go to like all like the regional stuff? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was, I, I haven't, I, I think the one thing that I stopped doing since the pandemic is photographing indie wrestling. And I think that's the kind of thing that I was like a little, a little like, again, I only have so much money, you know, and I think that was kind of like, oh, I feel like I have a decent body of work from doing the indie wrestling and I really like it, but I don't know I can afford to keep going to as much indie wrestling and hardcore as I was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the thing I've currently sacrificed to having a more reasonable bank account. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love indie wrestling. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and WWE, I, I watch, I watch, uh, I watch every week on the, on the, on the, on the TV. And then I listen to a podcast that has like various other spinoff podcasts. So I'm listening to at least like two podcasts about wrestling on top of watching wrestling. Yeah. I, I, I got out. I'm trying to think like, how old was I? I think I was, I had to have been like 
13 or 14 i i just yeah totally reasonable age to stop watching wrestling mm-hmm. and <laughs> i i've, I've kind of like you know dabbled like here and there like uh, you know i'll like because i have friends who are still super into it so like yeah. um we'll go over and we'll like you get together watch like something like the big pay-per-views and i'm constantly trying to play catch up right so i'm like <laughs> wait why why is but he again, it, here it's, it's like it's like comic books like you yeah. know like they have like these characters that kind of arc for long periods of time and they have like you know kind of runoffs that go in different directions but yeah it has a similar kind of story arc and narrative on some level so i'm curious who's your favorite wrestler of all time oh geez um all time i mean i think like you know big mainstream people i think sean michaels is probably the greatest ever in both kind of like as a character but also as like an in-ring performance person okay um but favorite, I mean, like right now, I, I like Casanova Valentine, but he's just like a kind of a local deathmatch wrestler guy who is like putting on like uh, no ring uh, deathmatches. So it's like, uh, are you feeling like deathmatches at all? Is that? No, I'm, I'm okay, so okay. clueless. Uh, so so uh, it's pro wrestling, but mostly involves kind of like almost, you know, like the guy getting shot with a cannonball, like that old video of like a guy in his stomach kind of like undulates. Okay. Kind of thing, like, uh, like freak showy stuff. It's mm-hmm. kind of a weird combination of like, so it's like people breaking light tubes over each other's heads or stabbing themselves with stuff. And it's not like there's a trick to being stabbed with something. Like if you get stabbed with a skewer, you're just being stabbed with a skewer. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, some weird combination of like how much pain you can tolerate combined with pro wrestling. Um, and it's more or less been putting them on in just bars and having bands play like a Bad Luck 13 Riot Extravaganza would be like they played one and it was very enjoyable seeing them play. And uh Oh, the dude from uh, Madison from Fury is doing it out in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he's in some him of those. doing wrestling. Yeah, the yeah, suburban so he's fight. Similar things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like so. Casanova Valentine's doing that out here, and I, I like him a great deal. But again, also, it's like it's like hardcore shows. Like he's booking it. Like the thing doesn't exist unless he books it, and it's the people coming out. It's like they're doing it at similar venues that hardcore shows happen at. Like I, I think literally, I went to a Mind Force show at Kingsland. That show ended, and then a half an hour later, there was a deathmatch wrestling match there. So I just like hung out and went to a match right after it. But yeah, I like him a great deal. So yeah, I'm a big fan. Or Jeff Cannonball, who like dude, hardcore dude, who I knew when he was a hardcore dude, who now kind of has gotten a little more national fame as like a wrestler. But yeah, big fan of Jeff Cannonball. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I just see it here and there because obviously, like, like I said, I still have a lot of friends that are into it. And then even like one of my, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of mixed martial arts. So like my yeah. favorite journalist, he's like super in, like you know into wrestling. So like I, I see him. Uh, uh, Ariel Hawani, is that there? There, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, again, yeah. I, I, I know, I know martial arts. Just in, it bumps up against the coverage of pro wrestling. So, I, like, I know Ariel Hawani just from like his covering of wrestling, pro wrestling. Yeah, like the the stuff that he did at, at the SummerSlam, like that sit down interview with um, Matt Riddle. I'm not sure if yeah. you watched that. Yeah, um, yeah, like just that coverage. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then I watched his Roman Reigns interview, which is uh, pretty interesting. So, so yeah, so I like even though I'm not paying attention like all the time like just through people like him and then even like i said some of my friends they, they uh, you know will talk about it and they'll still go out to events so it, it, it's um you know interesting to me and it, it, it's cool to see that it's still so popular oh totally yeah I, I think it's that kind of thing where it it doesn't go anywhere it's always kind of like weirdly in the background you know existing now i'm curious uh with aew right there yeah. I, I feel like they're just on this crazy, you know, uh, course catching up to the WWE. Obviously, like they haven't been around as long. Yeah, they're, they're getting like so. As I understand it, uh, WWE's ratings are still significantly better, um, but uh, their ratings in the de- in the in the core demo, as mm-hmm. they say, uh, I think eighteen to forty four AEW is getting kind of close to WWE in a way that apparently is kind of shocking for people that they're like almost catching up in that main men eighteen to forty four demo on TV. Um, yeah, AEW is fantastic. AEW is like. Like a lot of the people who make up AEW 
are people who are wrestling indie shows. So it's more or less like if Akulu ended up on a TV show, that's mm. the level. Like, you know, it's like Joey Janela is on there pretty regularly, but like I remember Joey Janela literally wrestling a VFW hall, you know, like like a, two years ago, that kind of thing. So it's like people who are like pretty like, for me, awesome indie people now on fucking network TV and it's kind of mind blowing. So I've, I've loved it. I, I think it's utterly fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I trip out when I see that guy, uh, what's his name, uh, Darby Allen. Oh yeah, totally hardcore dude. Yeah, yeah, he was he was doing those suburban fights out here, and then I'm yeah. seeing or, or Ghost Main, like you know, sorry, not Ghost Main, uh, Wicker Phase Eternal doing the sound, doing the intro music, and like he, I think if I'm not mistaken, he like there was like, a coffin match where they like had people walk out a coffin, and Wicker Phase Eternal was like one of the dudes walking out the the thing, and I'm like, oh look at that. Yeah, it's crazy, but but then also like when I see like Sting, I'm just like, how is he still doing? Because I thought Sting was like an old man when I oh, was like a he super is young an kid. Old man. Uh, they very limited a lot of that's where the more wrestling, you know, spoken mirrors come in. Like they're, they, they're doing their most to maximize what you can get from a very old man who, I, who for his credit is in very good shape for being a very old man. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm curious about, like, did you care that CM Punk came back? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think like many things, like my interest in wrestling kind of ebbs and flows. And I think w when CM Punk got big was when I kind of was back in and I've kind of been all in since then. Okay. Um, but it, he had a weird kind of like outside, like in his, like not being in WWF, had a falling out with Cole Cabana who had a podcast. who I really enjoyed who's like an indie wrestler. Mm -hmm. And there was a weird lawsuit where all of a sudden he's like suing his best friend. And that got kind of weird. So I don't know, it was a little part of me. It was like, yeah, I, I love that CM Punk's a hardcore dude. And like when he was in the WWF was like working in like project X lyrics into his promos and stuff like that. Like he was like, there were like little hardcore Easter eggs, which I thought was awesome. If you were like paying attention mm -hmm. or it was even weird to see like triple H like uh like one of the main bad guys like referencing straight edge in a promo to me was kind of mind-blowing and yeah. really entertaining so yeah I, i'm excited for the comeback but a little you know kind of you know i, I think him suing his best friend seemed weird and not cool but okay I know. yeah because i yeah, i'm generally I, happy yeah I, I wasn't like super into uh him as a wrestler because I, I don't really know too much yeah. about him but just knowing that it was like such a big deal I, i'm just kind of curious if people like you know actually cared or if it was like you know propaganda that it was like that oh no people deal. actually care i mean like like wrestling kids yeah like they're mm -hmm. dudes crying like there's like that's the big meme is like <laughs> what came out they're like cut to the crowd it's like you know a reasonably old human being crying about seeing punk reappearing so yeah and i hey i was on family vacation and i, I took time out to watch it live and like my uh, brother-in-law who's like a very passive wrestling fan I'm like dude, dude, dude you want to watch this like yeah yeah i'll watch it and we like sat and watched it mm -hmm. <laughs> down the shore that's crazy I was psyched. I was up for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, damn, Carl, this has been super awesome. And yeah. No. And, and I gotta say, thank you very much for having me on. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know why people would want to sit down for an hour and a half and listen to me talk about anything, but I'm very honored that you uh, asked me to do this. And if you're currently listening to me speak, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Very yeah. nice of you. Yeah. I, I just respect what you do, and I, I, I appreciate people like you who. Uh, take the time to document what's going on because i always uh, try to stress that that's really important whether it be you know through video photography or interviews or anything just to have a piece of history saved because uh, the fact that we'll be able to look back and have these moments in time it's, it's really important because things can can get lost but um, you know people like you hate five six uh, scoped exposure 197 media yeah. um, all the other photographers yeah. like um, my good old buddy uh, spencer so it's just uh, it's just really important. So I, I just appreciate people like you who are doing what you're doing in hardcore and then even all the stuff that you're doing outside of hardcore. I, I think it's awesome. 
yeah, I, I, and I enjoy doing it. It's that kind of thing. It's like, I, I, I love doing it. You know, it's like, I don't know what else I'd be doing at this point. Okay. Well, thank you again for doing the yeah. podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>